Looking to cut down on food waste and time spent in the kitchen? HelloFresh sends you pre-measured ingredients and easy-to-follow recipes so you can get dinner on the table in about 30 minutes. Go to HelloFresh.com slash FilmCast12 and use code FilmCast12 for 12 free meals, including free shipping. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Slash Filmcast. I'm David Chen, and I'm still watching the Snyder Cut right now. Joining me today is Devinder Hardwar. Release the We Live in a Society Cut, damn it! <laughs> and also Jeff Kanata. I, too, have been re-edited and expanded this week. <laughs> uh, later on in this week's episode of the Slash Filmcast, we're going to be discussing Zack Snyder's Justice League, the new four-hour cut. Of the film. Joining us for that review is going to be Dan Merle. It's going to be a great conversation. Look forward to it. In the meantime, we got some what we've been watching for you. We got some weekly plugs. And also for the After Dark, which is available to patrons at patreon.com slash film podcast, we're going to be discussing the series premiere of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So that is what is in store for us today on the Slash Filmcast. Big Find show. more episodes. Big, Big show. show. Find Dave. more episodes of the podcast at slashfilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com and support the show again at patreon.com slash filmpodcast. Okay. Uh, let's start with uh, some what we've been watching this week. I wanted to talk about this movie called Operation Varsity Blues, mm. which is a a documentary a prequel to varsity blues my understanding <laughs> i wish uh it is a documentary by chris smith that according to the plot summary online is a deep dive into the fraudulent methods used by rick singer to get the children of rich and famous families into top u.s universities before we talk about the movie itself curious like what was your guys's perception of this scandal when it hit? like this seems like it was a scandal that received disproportionate attention to the actual crime that occurred. Mm, interesting. Uh, yeah. I don't know what you guys think. I mean, like, it, it was terrible what these people did, but it's like, it seemed like a story that everyone knew about. And I think because it seizes on so many injustices that we hold in our mind about the world. Like, we're like... It's yeah. so brazen. Yeah. Right, right. Um, yeah, I always, I kind of, you know, I, I think it is disgusting and really... Uh, sad and they should have faced some comeuppance for it but i agree with you that there was this weird celebrity culture tie-in with felicity huffman and what's her bucket from full house and it was a tmz story yeah yeah and and it ultimately how much different is it from the people that have been buying a wing for the university for years and their kid gets i mean george bush did it's the same shit right it's the same shit yeah, um, what was it? So I watched this movie. Uh, this is a documentary, and it does have some interesting facts. So this is Chris Smith. He's the guy that made American Movie, and I think he also directed the Fire Festival documentary. Did you guys watch that Netflix Fire Which, Festival documentary? We watched both of them. We talked yeah, about both yeah. of them on oh, the show, Dave. That's right. Yes, no. Uh, that was a test, Jeff. Okay, oh, I, I passed. I'm not the one that's forgetting about mm. major anniversary episodes on this podcast. I don't remember saying anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> so he's the guy that directed the fire festival documentary the netflix uh version of that documentary called fire i think uh and yeah that's right so he made this movie now first of all it's actually pretty impressive to me that 
people are like cranking out full formed documentaries about events that happened not too long ago. Like oh, this yeah. is they're moving an event that now. happened like a couple of years <laughs> they got, ago. They got that right? COVID time on their hands, man. It's crazy. I mean, well, also like these folks, like Alex Gibney. You know, I've talked to this guy several times about his movies. He has like a just a whole production shop in New York of just like people cranking out research and he has like several movies being worked on at the same time. It is pretty wild. So they, they've got this lockdown. Yeah. Uh, so it's impressive. And there's a lot of, <laughs> it's, the, it's the Medea of documentaries. <laughs> exactly. <Wow. laughs> uh, and the movie is competently made and there's some really cool insights. Uh, one of the biggest insights is this idea of um, the guy that was, running this thing called Operation Varsity or the not the Operation Operation Varsity Blues the the thing to take them down the the actual scam was run by this guy named Rick Singer and he describes it as like well there's the front door which is you get in on your own volition uh like you you get in because you're qualified and then there's the back door which is you donate money to the university and you get in that way and then there's this thing called the side door which is what he had perfected which is basically uh pretend as though your children are really good at certain sports and or have other people fake test scores for them so that they like take test scores in their place uh, tests mm-hmm. in their place mm-hmm. um so that uh their test scores will appear better and that way you can kind of smuggle them in to the university that way right and that's the side door that rick singer had mastered uh one of the the striking facts about this documentary is uh, being able to donate a million dollars to a university is no longer enough to get them in like because of the donation. Um, which is like, okay, well, there goes my plan for my kids. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's, uh, the, that won't even get them to like look at you. Like you basically need to donate a, like $10 million plus, maybe $5 million. But like, it's not like the schools at all are part of this whole scam, you know? Like, I mean, that's there who come out the worst in this thing. Yeah, I'm you know? sure. Like, but yeah, it, it's like wow, that's really discouraging. Actually, <laughs> you know the idea that, like <laughs> you need ten to twenty million, and that's what's so fascinating about this is these are people who are in this kind of weird middle realm of wealth. Yeah, like they're not, not wealthy enough. enough to donate thirty yeah. million dollars to yeah. Stanford, but they are wealthy enough to pay a guy <laughs> five hundred thousand dollars, you know, to fake the application. Well, yeah. just, you know a, what we, they what say. College is getting so expensive, guys. Like so yeah. expensive. Like for everybody. A, for everybody. I heard a great, a uh, great idiom that I'd never heard before today, and I. It's so funny. I was, I was listening to this podcast, and I heard this idiom, and I was like, man, I, I love this. I hope I get to use it someday. Here I am, right now, with an opportunity to use it. I just think it's so beautiful. It's uh, somebody said, uh, it's it's when uh, two is too many, but five is not enough. No, no, no. Two is. Two is not enough, but five is no, no. You're yeah, killing is, you're killing it. Ah, wow, fuck it up. Two is yeah. too many, but five is not enough. Yeah, that's right. Two is too many, but five is not enough. I, I love that. It's like you're in this like bizarre nether realm where there's it doesn't it just you Don't can't you know who I am. I'm Felicity Huffman. <laughs> yes, but the good news, Dave. The good news is all that money goes, you know, right to uh-huh. creating better education for these kids. It's all about I, the kids. I don't. <laughs> I don't uh... I, I don't understand the idiom, Jeff. Can you explain it to me? <laughs> uh, clearly, I can't. So when two is too many, but five is not enough, it's like you, you've, you've gone past 
you've, <laughs> you've progressed out of one stratosphere, right. but you're not into the next stratosphere. Uh, I see. You're I in see. this weird place where you're fucked because you like, you did better. You're, you're, you know, yeah, what, what do they expect their kids to get into college? Like normal people. <laughs> what do they uh, do? I don't know. I mean, the idiom wasn't no, used no, particularly I, I for this I, situation. I think I'm getting it. I think I'm getting it. Yeah, Basically, yeah, yeah. like, they're they're in a... Like, to most people, they would be considered grotesquely wealthy. Yes. But they're not grotesquely wealthy enough that they don't need to deal with this guy, Rick Singer. Right? Like... <laughs> yes. Yeah. The idea is that, you know, if, it's If they're, like, like, billionaires, then they would just be like, you have a new building. Here's a new building for your school. Yeah, exactly. It has your name on it, and congratulations, the child's going to sure. get in. Does, but they're not that rich. So instead, they're needing to like bribe their way into it, right? Does this documentary, by the way, deal with the fact that why why was it the moms getting all the heat for this? Like, what what is William H Macy doing? You know, because all I heard not was paying Felicity, attention. Felicity Huffman, yeah, probably. Yeah, and so there's a few things about this documentary that are really brutal, and uh, one of them is brutal because of who's watching it. One of them is brutal in terms of the filmmaking. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the thing that's brutal because of who's watching it. Okay. First of all, they're using everyone's real names, right? So they're like, <laughs> they're they're doing reenactments, but they're, they're so they hired a bunch of lookalikes, but oh they're using everyone's real oh. name, and they'll say like, so and so is a business person who sells stocks on the blah blah blah, and it'll show like an actual YouTube video or Google image search of the real life person. So like, forever they will be associated with this situation, right? Mm. Uh, so it's brutal. But then like because they're using the transcripts of the tapes. These people are talking about their kids in extremely candid ways. Like there's one mom, the, the one that's most brutal is like there's one mom who's like, who's talking to Rick Singer and he's, she says, you know, hey, like my daughter is starting to suspect stuff. She's not stupid like my other daughter. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Love it. Amazing. Like, now, now, like, you know, I, I assume the daughter may one day watch this movie and she's going to know what her mom thinks. Of her. She's like, probably heard this at some point. Yeah. I was just going to say <laughs> yeah. that there's no way that's a revelation to this kid. <laughs> I always yeah. knew I wasn't the favorite. Yeah, yeah but yeah. She, we, I don't think your mom would like say it like that to your face. I'm you know sure what I mean? you pick up on, it. you know, in that family, I'm sure that dynamic is not subtle. Yeah. The Why second... did I get a coloring book when my sister got like a college textbook? I'm very confused. Uh, uh, let's pause here for a moment um, because we decided to move Captain America, I'm sorry, Falcon and Winter Soldier to After uh-huh. Dark. Uh, let's pause here for a moment and talk about, let's go on a little tangent here. I'm curious about you guys. Like, mm-hmm. uh, What did you we have, do to get into college? You have, well, you have, <laughs> no, you have children, right? Like, I, I guess I'm curious. Like, when I watch Which one's movie, the stupid one? Is that what you're going to ask me today? <laughs> no, no. When I watch, when I watch this movie... I think the the reaction I have to myself is, wow, college was so difficult when, you know, we were all trying to get into oh, yeah, college. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now it seems like it's 10x even worse. harder. It I seems would never like have gotten way, into way the college that I got into. I right? would never have gotten in. Right. And so I, I guess I'm curious, like, um, forget about you getting into, like, ne- your kids will be in college in, like, 15 years. Obviously, we can't predict it'll be like them. But, like, do you have, like, any expectation? Are you going to be one of those parents that's like, you must go to a good college? Or are you going to be like... No, you don't have to because of how like the, the struggle I went through. I've been through that. And I'm like, I'm not going to put that on you. I'm curious, like, what is your mm. perspective on your children's college at this point? I mean, I, I first of all, need to make enough money to buy a new wing and uh, mm. problem solved. We problem. need wing money. We need wing, we need money, wing money. Everybody <laughs> needs wing money. It's really, yeah. You're walking around By the way, wing money. Our yeah. Patreon is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
but Patreon.com slash film podcast. It's going yeah. part of it will probably make its way into Jeff's children's college fund. The right? Patreon literally doubt. is funding partial partially Sophia's college fund. So listen, what I'm doing, I, I, I have a fund. Like I'm I'm putting money here. I hope uh it'll be enough. I'm praying, but also I'm looking at the projections of like the raising uh like compared to like when I, we went to college, Dave, even prices now are ridiculous and who knows if they'll just keep skyrocketing i'm also wondering if uh if this push to remote learning with covid um is changing anything like i wonder if there will be new models i wonder if the idea that you need to pay for a fancy four-year school won't be as necessary in the future if you have you know the right technical skills or something i don't know i don't know what the world's going to look like but i do think education is going to be reshaped after last year and certainly as we have like new tech and new ways for kids to learn i don't want to be one of those parents who is just like you got to go to a good school you got to go to my school you're a legacy now that's actually something i can say within my family which is wild to me uh i won't i won't be doing that yeah yeah uh, how about you, Jeff? What's your perspective on your kid's college at this point? Yeah, I'm betting heavily on that thing Devinder said. I, I've been, we've been thinking about that a lot, that like uh, the notion that there won't really be college. When my- <laughs> Maybe this whole system will explode yeah. and we'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm, I'm, wow. I'm hoping for. You're, you're betting on the collapse of the college system as we know it. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it's worked yeah, yeah. out so far. It yeah. seems pretty likely at this point. Um <laughs> Or, uh, you know, the, yeah, the notion that, that it will look very, very differently or, you know, you're talking to somebody that, that got a degree in theater, Dave. Uh, mm-hmm. What does he know? I, I squandered any kind of <laughs> opportunity. My parents worked very hard to send me to college and oh, I went man. and got a degree in make-believe. I, I got a degree in philosophy, Jeff. Don't worry. Yeah. Yours is actually applicable to Well, I mean, look how far world. we've come hosting yeah. a mid-tier film podcast, guys. It's so great. I Talk mean, about superhero movies. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it couldn't have turned out better. But I, you know, I, honestly, I loved college. I value it. I I think I will express to my children that the college experience was one that was very valuable to me. But I think college is what you make of it. I'm, yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm sure that you know there are a lot of colleges outside my experience, but a lot of colleges that you can actually gain some career status just because you went to that school. Yeah. But that's never that wasn't my experience, and I find that. You know, it's 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 ostensibly about learning, but it's also about becoming a, an adult. And that for me is the thing that I valued most about going to college is becoming an adult and figuring out what that means and how to do stuff and be away from home and, you know, discovering myself. Mm-hmm. Um, you, and and, you, you can do that in many ways, too, yeah, right? Like, yeah. I, I think that's the thing. One thing like, hey, uh, I come from an, an immigrant family. My parents had no clue what the U.S. college experience would be like. So it's it's really like I had to just jump in and be like, I'm going to the school in the middle of nowhere, Massachusetts. But it, it's, it seems well rated according to all these tables from the U.S. college board. So I guess I'll apply here. That's literally why I applied. I applied through the Common App to our school. Dave Amherst College, just like, eh, one thing I'll throw on the pile, you know, like the common app, the way you would like submit to several schools at once. That's all I did. Um, But I do have a sense like now if I were to go back and do things differently, I'd be like, maybe, maybe I'd go to college in the city. I don't know. Like maybe that experience, because I found living in New York, like the time I spent in New York was just as formative to me as my college time is because there's so much culture there and so much connection. And there's just so much um it's I, weird it's yeah, weird to go back yeah. to to think about that time again because it's like mm-hmm. if 
we had any of us had gone to a different college, we wouldn't be sitting here recording this podcast. Life would right be now. very different. We yeah. wouldn't have uh like on the one hand You're right, it does it does sound great. <laughs> <laughs> but are there any downsides is the question. <laughs> um it's weird because on the one hand, it makes really little difference to your career prospects, in my opinion, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. like I work with some of the smartest people in the world, in my opinion, at my job. Thank you, Dave. And I wasn't talking about you, unfortunately. Um, no, I mean, I mean, you guys are smart in some specific ways. He, but he meets the friends he gives screeners to. No, oh, no. <laughs> the real friends. I get it. And it's like many of them have been to college that I, colleges that I've never heard of. You know what I mean? And it just is like it's not a going to a college that is less prestigious than other colleges is not a barrier to getting right. a really good job. And or state being schools are very career. good. Right. Yeah. My, yeah. My, yeah. my kids are two and four. When they are thinking about college, there's not going to be jobs. <laughs> well, no, the jobs will be servicing the machines yeah, servicing and making the sure machines. they're happy yeah, and yeah. don't revolt. There's That's no, it. I mean, I'm, I'm, at this point, I'm betting on uh, universal basic income, you know? That's, that's, <laughs> that's my hope for my kids. Wow. Okay. So, anyway, on the one hand, it makes no impact to your, your employability. On the other hand, it makes a dramatic difference in your life, right? It shapes like, your life in it shapes your life because It's for like, sure. yeah, we... Like, I met we my have, wife there. Right, you yeah, know, you, like, you, yeah. We, we wouldn't have gotten married to the people we got married to if we went to different colleges, probably. You know what I mean? Like, it would have yeah. been... Our lives would be completely different if we hadn't... Got, so, it's just a weird... Such a weird institution. In any case, in any case, fascinating to hear. I'm glad you guys. Yeah. Uh, Jeff has a very, I guess, um, laissez-faire attitude about it. <laughs> and, Devendra, <laughs> and Devendra has a. Uh, uh, I you think know, we're a, both waiting for the system to implode. Basically, yeah, yeah, like yeah. that yeah, is yeah. on my wish list for sure. <laughs> great, great. Well, um, once you start thinking about this, Dave, you will see too. It, it, that would be the best outcome for everybody. Oh, yes. That is such a great way to explain it, yeah. Devendra. It, yeah. it, 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 every other every other way in. You, you mentioned the three ways in. Uh-huh. When you're sitting there as a parent and you're looking at it, you're like, we're fucked. Yeah. <laughs> we you're going to state fucked. school, nowhere else. How about <laughs> exactly. that? Exactly. So yeah. back to the movie Operation Varsity Blues, uh, which is on Netflix right now. Here's what I'm going to say about it. The biggest, like, I, I, I got some insights out of it, right? So it's cool. But the biggest problem this movie does, this movie, the biggest sin this movie commits is reenacting the wiretap conversations. <laughs> and rather than, like, say, play, I don't know if they had the tapes, but they didn't play the tapes, right? They just, they reenacted them. And Matthew Modine plays the main bad Wow. Matthew Modine. Uh, and What's so. What's he doing these days? So I understand it's irresistible. It's like, hey, we get to recreate the thing. Matthew Modine's going to be in it. Like, it, I understand why he made the decision to do it. it. Like, I understand the temptation, but the problem is, and here's the way I'm going to explain it, Jeff. You know, actually, and and in a way that Jeff will definitely understand, and Devendra probably will, is yeah, at you can E3, tell which one of Dave's kids he thinks is the stupid one. No, 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 it, no, no. It, this is less about who's smart. It's more about like exposure to like video game presentations. So, like at E3 the Electronics Entertainment Expo, right? Companies like Microsoft and Sony will show like a demo of an upcoming multiplayer video game. And what they'll do, it's like a, the Division or, you know, um, uh, what, what is it? Uh, Overwatch Destiny. or something. Like Overwatch. You know, some, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And they'll have people hop on the comms, right? Mm, and mm. it sounds 
like yeah. the most fake conversation you've ever had in your life. It'll be like, sure, yeah. sure. No, hey, Ubisoft hey, is, you got is me, a, bro. Yeah, yeah, you got me, yeah. bro. Kanata, I'm going in, okay? I got you know? your and six. It's like, I got your six. I got Watch your bogeys. <laughs> and it's not it's not as though the words are different. Like uh-huh. it's not as though what people say like is saying is not the same. It's that you have these actors yeah, who are false. adding all this theatricality yeah. to the words. Yeah. It's too deep into this. Yeah. Yeah. Dave, I just want to say uh, dear Microsoft and everybody, I think our services are available to voice these videos for yeah. you. We'll we can make do them it. as boring as real. We life. can totally do it. That's guys. the thing. That's the thing is the boring part is the authentic part. If you go to Clubhouse and tune into any conversation, 80% oh, of them are boring, right? Like most yeah. conversations you have are not interesting. And the problem is you give these wiretap conversations to actors and they try to, they try to make them interesting. You know, the, it's like, it's supposed to be this really boring conversation. Like, hey, right now? Yep, all right, hello. Are you doing? And then it's like, hey, okay, are you going to do the thing for me? Great. You know, like, that's how the conversation is supposed to go. Instead, you have people being like, yes, like, let's do the thing. You know, it's just like, oh, oh my God. Yeah. Okay. Are we going to get in trouble for this? You know, it's like, <laughs> is this a crime? <laughs> the uh, the hell you say, you know, it's just like, what the fuck, you know? It 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 does not work at all, and is it, 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 like reenactments make up about half of this movie, and not a single one is a, is good or feels authentic, and that is the huge problem with Operation Varsity Blues. But That's everything else about the movie, some insight into uh, into this process and into what happened. So if you're interested and you can deal with really corny reenactments, then I think it's still worth checking out. So. That's Operation Varsity Blues. It's streaming right now on Netflix. It's one of the most popular movies on the service, according to their top 10. Um, So check it out. Uh, That's what I've been watching this week. If you're like me, living through a pandemic can be pretty stressful and uh, lead to a lot of anxiety. So I've been using Feels to help me alleviate a lot of that. Feels is a premium CBD service that's delivered right to your doorstep, and it helps you feel better naturally by reducing stress, anxiety, pain, and sleeplessness. For me, especially, uh, a lot of things just make me feel anxious these days uh, between everything going on in the world and taking care of my family. Uh, So I typically take some Feels at night just to help myself wind down and get some rest. Feels is easy to take. You just have to place a few drops under your tongue and you'll feel the difference uh, within a few minutes. I found it helpful to experiment with different levels um, because, you know, it can have very different effects. Feels also offers real human support. There's a CBD hotline to help you guide your experience. And uh, one of the things I appreciate best is that Feels just helps you feel better naturally. There's no hangover or addiction. So I'd recommend joining the Feels community to get it delivered right to your door every month. You'll save money on every order and you can pause or cancel at any time. Feels has me feeling my best every day and it can help you too. Become a member today by going to feels.com slash filmcast and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash filmcast to become a member and get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. Feels.com slash filmcast. Divinity Hardware, what have you been watching this week? I've been checking out the second season of Servant, and this is the M. Night Shyamalan-produced show on Apple TV+. Um, Again, I talked about it. I really enjoyed the first season. It's about a couple in Philadelphia uh, played by uh, Toby Kettle, who we all love, I believe, and Lauren Ambrose. Um, They're a couple who lost their baby. 
something happened and that's revealed in certain season one. So I'm not going to kind of get into that, but basically in the, in the pilot, it's in the pilot. So this is like, like, very, that's a setup. Yeah, that's yeah, a setup. Something yeah. happened to their baby and Lauren Ambrose to like deal with it. Therapy wise has attached herself to this fake baby. You know, one of those like a like, doll, yeah. a doll baby. And she thinks it's the real thing. And that's the story. Right. But by the end of the pilot, um, there's a real baby there. And that's the mystery. Of the like baby what, has come to life. Something has come to life. Yeah. I mean, the doll's still around too, but yeah, there is also a real baby. Um, and it is like, I think the first season was kind of sloppy, but also a really interesting M. Night Shyamalan thriller. You know, he produced it. I believe he directed the pilot. And I really like these main characters. Um, Lauren Ambrose in like uh, a kind of crazy frazzled mode a little uh, is really entertaining the show. You've got Toby Kebbell and uh, Rupert Grint trying to do Philadelphia accents, which I find kind of hilarious at times too. It's really stylish and cool, but I think season two is a huge improvement. And um, for anybody who's seen season one and maybe, you know, kind of didn't want to jump back in, I want to say it is probably worth checking out the new season. Also, mainly because I was surprised to find the first two episodes of the season are directed by Julia DeCurno, who directed the movie Raw in 2016, a movie which I consider a goddamn masterpiece. Like it that, is that film so is incredible. Good. It is it's it incredible. is one of the best horror film debuts yeah. ever made. Uh, if you have not seen Raw, the movie yet, definitely check it out. Okay, it's, uh, it should still be on Netflix, but yeah, she just hasn't. She's also like so good, and so she's basically a genius. And then people are like, "What are you gonna do after that?" And for years, she just kind of has said not much. Apparently, she's working on on an upcoming drama called Titan. Tatane? I don't know. Um, but she has a film coming up. It's just wild to me that her style was here. And uh, in the uh, in the first episode, you've got a good amount of body horror. I think is really, uh, really, you could tell who directed that. And there's also like, there's, there's surprising stuff too. Like uh, Shyamalan himself directs uh, a couple episodes, I believe. His daughter, straight out of NYU, is directing an episode in this season, which I kind of rolled my eyes at. But also, I have to think like, man, you know what? You know how many generations of white actors have been doing this? Give give the Shyamalans of the world and his children <laughs> a chance. His other daughter is uh like trying to be a pop musician and her music is in here somehow too. Like it it is a whole family production. So I you know, normally I I probably scoff at it, but this is the way Hollywood works. Come on, Jeff, you know it's true. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. That's that's how it all goes. But anyway, the season overall has been real. I'm halfway through season two right now. It goes full crazy and full demented in a way I didn't expect. And Lauren Ambrose's character in particular, like goes places that is surprising to me. Um, so I think it's really entertaining. If you like the Shyamalan, like dark thriller uh, thing, you know, if you like his style and everything, and if you're kind of a true believer at heart, like I kind of am, despite how many times he has hurt me. Um, I, I think you'd enjoy season two of servant. All right. Season two of servant streaming right now on Apple TV plus. I uh, watched a couple episodes of season one. I was kind of into it. I was kind of yeah. like, is this going to take forever to go somewhere? You know, well, like, they're short episodes too, which is nice. Yeah. They're like 25, 25, 30 minutes. So it's easy to take bites of it. I had this random thought, guys, that like we should do a search party after dark. After speaking of short, oh, things yeah. short episodes, we should do a search party after dark. After we, we all get to the end we of it. We should so. do that. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So we'll, we'll just, just text me when you guys get, when, or Devendra, when you get to the end of it. It has delighted me how many 
tweets I've gotten of people who have gotten on the search party bandwagon. I see a lot of people doing it now, too. I think because of the HBO Max thing, yeah. Yeah. All right. um, What else have you been watching other than Servant, Devendra? So I've also spent the last... But the last week has been a goddamn... Like, it has been... insane like just because south by digital south by was happening but i also had like a ton of other work and somehow i had to juggle everything so i had time to see a couple things at digital south by which i think is probably one of the better like one of the best digitally run shows or conferences i've seen like uh actually being able to watch movies and tv shows and stuff in your living room was great they had an apple tv app it you didn't have to like chromecast everything which some film festivals have had to do um so just saying that up front i saw the first episode of made for love which is the new hbo max show starring Kristen miliati uh billy magnuson and ray romano it's about a uh, tech billionaire who implants a chip in his wife's uh brain so that he can track and see everything she does and in the first episode she makes her escape from uh from his lair his compound and tries to you know live her life only to discover yeah not a huge spoiler like it's it's the whole thing of the show only to discover that he's tracking her every move and i'm going to be really interested to see how this show evolves over time it's uh i've only seen one episode it was only like 30 minutes too but i do like the world building of it so far like billy magnuson by the way an actor who i've seen in a bunch of things i believe he was in um he was in the other yeah he was in get shorty with ray romano so it's really funny to see them kind of back together in a thing here he does the uh preppy tech billionaire really well it this is a show that really goes i don't know to uh to wild lengths to kind of show the level of uh the way he's so rich and disconnect from the world like they live in a compound in the desert that has its own artificial sun You know, they never actually see night. Uh, Basically, they live in a glass box or in a certain way. His pool has a dolphin and he swims with his dolphin. Um, I don't know if the tech commentary is going to be very good, but I like Kristen Milioti. I like seeing Ray Romano in things, in everything, and he's playing her father in the series. And I think it has potential, but yeah, I'm going to need to see more than a single episode. It's going to be premiering on HBO Max uh, on April 1st, so we'll be able to see it soon. All right. Uh, so that is made for love. Really sounds like an interesting premise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it'll be on HBO Max, uh, as you said. Shortly. I hope it doesn't uh, go the way of many other HBO Max, you know, new shows, which have that great first episode, you know, and really hook you in and then sputter out later that on. Is, yeah. That is a pattern. Happened that has several happened. times. Yeah. yeah. Uh, gotta say, HBO Max been cranking out like a ton of content on the surface, sure. man. And also highlighting content that's existed that nobody has really seen, like yeah. Surf Party. So yeah, great, true. good on them. True. Uh, so Made for Love is going to premiere on April first, uh, and I will try to check it out, Devendra. Anything else you've been watching, Devendra? One thing else, uh, I saw a documentary called United States versus Reality Winner, and this is a documentary by Sonia Kennebec about uh, Reality Winner. Who I, I don't know if you if you guys have followed her story. But she is the NSA contractor who, um, was it 2017, published uh, classified information about Russian interference in the 2016 election. And her, the information she put out there really made it clear that Russia got very close to a voting software company in the U.S. Like things were much more um, dire than the Trump administration made it seem. So her work, like her leaking that document kind of 
led legislators to really push harder on you know figuring out the full story and it led to that uh, that report i believe um but she faced the full weight of the u.s government for leaking that information so under the espionage act uh she was uh sentenced to five years i think believe one of the longest sentences for anybody who's leaked information like this um and it's it's just it, it goes over her story and kind of how unfair it is. Um, this is a documentary that I don't think is fully successful because it really sympathizes with reality winner. And I do, too. Like on a personal level, I think it's she shouldn't be in jail for um, basically revealing information that the government was trying to hide, you know, that ultimately served a greater good. But the legal system doesn't work like that. She. So, you know, she revealed classified information. She's facing punishment for that. Uh, but the documentary kind of goes into how also the government painted her as sort of a uh, an almost like um, extremist terrorist at times, too. Like she would have these sarcastic conversations with her sister like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm totally going to blow up the White House. Right. And the headlines are reality winner wants to blow up the White House. You know, and it kind of goes into the unfairness of all that because I, certainly sarcasm probably does not work in a U.S. court. Um, so, yeah, the, a lot of that stuff worked against her. I think this movie is really interesting and worth watching if uh, if you haven't really followed this, clo- this case closely because I, I think what she's gone through and the information she revealed is important. You know, it's not like Snowden level. It's not like a global spying network that's been run by the U.S. government and every other country. Um, but it is significant information. And I, I still th- I still don't think we've like really reckoned with the full reality of what she's revealed. Um, even with this last election, there were uh, there were some uh, some reports about like how far Russia was trying to change things again. So, yeah, I think it's worth watching. I think her story is important. Uh, she's going to be released from prison at the end of the year. And uh, I don't know if this documentary has been picked up yet, but uh, check it out if you if you come across it. So that's the United States versus reality winner. You saw this at South by Southwest yes. online, right? Mm-hmm. I'm so curious what's going to happen next year with film festivals. Like, are it they going to keep a huge portion of their uh, movies online? I would love if that happened, right? It would be, mm-hmm. it's so wonderful to get to participate in these film festivals without needing to physically go. Now, but, but um, I think they're going to, maybe it'll be like a hybrid, right? Like give us a yeah. digital pass to give, maybe we don't need to see the premieres, but maybe a couple days later, if you want to pay extra or if you want to get a ticket, like uh, the New York Film Festival in the fall, you know, offered like $25 digital tickets, which are very expensive. But for those, some of those films, like you'd probably want to pay that, right? I will say for South by, uh, the they had a VR experience. They had like a full recreation of Congress Avenue in Austin in VR. It was cool to like walk around and see these digital renditions of uh, of the major buildings and everything in the uh, the main theater. But it made me really sad. I think like I've talked about the Sundance VR thing a couple of times, which was it was cool to see people, you know, like talk about movies and stuff. But the I think the thing about South by is that it's not just a film festival, right? It's a it's a music festival. It's a gaming celebration. It is a tech conference at times. It is such like a it is one of my favorite shows or events of the year because it is such a perfect combination of everything I love. And yeah, it goes a little overboard. You know, certainly there, there's a lot of like masturbatory stuff coming out of that show. Uh, most of the talks I think are kind of ridiculous, but the vibe of going to South by and seeing all these things and, you know, spending several hours waiting in lines for movies that you can't see. Um, there, there's so much that I really enjoy about that experience that you, you'll never capture in VR or remotely. So I hope by next year, 
people are getting their shots. Maybe things will be safe enough to actually do it in person. I I'm chomping at the bit to go to an event again. Cause I really miss going and, you know, discovering things, the serendipity of running into people and even celebrities on the street at events like this. Like I, I miss it all, you know? You know, it does raise the point of the fact that for a lot of people, they are marking this these last couple of weeks as the quote-unquote one-year anniversary of lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually doing a series on culturally relevant about it where, like, I'm talking with people who have been in, in quarantine for, or, you know, working in different industries for one year in Seattle and what it's been like for them. And uh, for me personally, I mean, first of all, for me personally, like, the lockdown started way earlier because my wife is oh, very yeah. cautious. And so we were already like not oh, going yeah. out in public. I was I was like stocking about food and buying rice in February. Right. In February. I saw all the news. It was like, yep, uh, exa- we're, exactly, we're going to be yeah. here for a while. We had all like I we bought a freezer for the garage like um, before they got completely sold out. You know what I mean? So it, we uh, we definitely it's been going on a little bit longer for me. So the um, the March deadline isn't really a huge milestone for me personally. That said. uh one of the big moments uh, that was like, this is real was when South by Southwest got canceled last year. Oh yeah. That, and we were, let me, I don't know if I've talked to you guys about this on the show, but we, I didn't get it. Like we had a whole plan. We had a, it was a beautiful plan guys. <laughs> we rented a compound near oh. the downtown area. It had like, it had like three different buildings. We could just walk to all the concerts. Like it was, it was beautiful. Yeah, I, I mean, I was supposed to go for the first time. I was supposed to speak on a panel there. Oh man. Um, about, online fan culture and uh and i was really psyched to go and it's like my first time and um then but then like it became clear when like all these major events started Mm -hmm. canceling that like it it would be untenable for them to do it because and you're flying in people from all around the the world like it would have it would have probably been a super spreader it would have been a disaster Yeah. yeah yeah and like then it would have been like wow south by southwest the super spreader event and like they couldn't you don't. They don't want that press either. Um, Jeff, was there any moment last year when you you felt like this was real for you? Yes, a very distinct moment for me. Um, I was doing the dungeon run uh, in our studio, and we had all sort of heard about this this all this stuff happening, and everybody, you know, we were there going, "Man, I wonder if this is the last time we're going to be in the studio for a while." Or you know, I hope we're here next week. I hope to see you guys. And at intermission, we were, I mean, playing Dungeons and Dragons for two hours at intermission every night, I would call my wife or every week when we did it, I would call my wife, say goodnight to my kids. At intermission, I call my wife and she goes, they just canceled the NBA. <laughs> that would do and, it. Yeah. And I went, yeah. oh my God. That was the moment for me where I was like, this is serious that <laughs> yeah. they don't do that lightly <laughs> uh, yeah so yeah that i will never ever ever forget that moment i walked back out and told everybody i was like they just canceled the nba and then we were all like we're not gonna be here tomorrow next week at yeah. this time and we were like man is it gonna be like what like two or three weeks until we can be back in the right? studio yeah. everyone thought yeah. we're gonna shut down for a couple weeks maybe a month yeah. tops everything's yeah. gonna go back to normal and we thought yeah. that was crazy we're not gonna do that. we're gonna be we're not gonna see each other for two weeks right crazy yeah <laughs> little did we know little did we know yeah. yeah that was the last time we ever set foot in that studio by the way mm. The the, <laughs> the studio went away before we came back from COVID. 
Well, I'm sorry to hear that, Jeff. Um, but I'm glad you're still here. That's what's most important. Yes, indeed. Um, but yeah, it, it was uh, South by Southwest. Definitely one of the most vivid memories of uh, last year and us knowing that we were all really in, in it. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I'm kind of curious like how these things are going to evolve. Uh, maybe it'll be a hybrid model. I, I'm also kind of like, I just don't feel like it's going to go back to normal anytime right, soon like right. even in the even a year from now i don't know that we're going to be packing into theaters at the very least i feel like people are still gonna be wearing masks man you know i don't like, know I, yeah. I i for the first time this last weekend we uh, we took our i took my kids um my wife and i took my kids we go to this place like uh, in calabasas and that is a, a library library is not operating right now but there's this mm-hmm. big courtyard and there's almost always no one there and we go and it's this huge like amphitheater and the kids run around they play hide and go seek and it's like this amazing time where we get to be outside that's not our backyard uh we've done it like two or three times uh, over the last few months and we went this weekend and to get to it you kind of have to go through this uh outdoor mall which has been empty it was packed oh packed with people I couldn't believe it. We still got to our little area where there was nobody, but we had to walk through tons of people. And I, and I looked around and I went, it's, I think it's going to come back faster than we all think. I think I've been so pessimistic about the world coming back, but I think the way the rollout has happened with the vaccines, I think that people are going to start resuming life right. oh, uh, yeah. much quicker than I than I thought. People they are would. chomping at the bit for like yes. the dumbest things, you know, yeah. that we we've missed, and we we've seen that to be true for sure. I mean, listen, guys, like I I desperately want to go in the movie theater and eat some overpriced popcorn. You know, that is where I am right now. And as soon as I, you know, uh, get shots. I feel like once and once like I think like there's a couple weeks right where you have to wait for a full immunity or something like I'm probably going to end up doing that like with a mask and in like a limited like not a very filled theater either in the morning or at night. But I'll probably try that, you know? Yeah, I I think uh, probably, you know, America's really good at moving on. Jeff is yeah. my sense. Yeah. Like we're really good mm-hmm. at like, hey, we're, pre- we're pressing on. Doesn't matter what's happening, you know, like and the only way to survive as a country is don't look back because if you look back uh there's a lot of bad stuff happening (laughs) i read this fascinating thing of like america is really bad at coming together to solve common problems like healthcare and uh uh, education and climate change but it's really good at killing things Mm. like if if Mm. there's a virus we can freaking kill that thing you know with a vaccine Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes Asteroid to like, coming solving, to Earth, you know, we'll, we'll <laughs> yeah. kill that. Well, send, that send Bruce Willis up yeah. there. We're all set. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, it seems like I, I, I think COVID's going to be with us for a long time. Like maybe it's going to be with us in the same way, like influenza is with us. You know, like no, uh, that, that is the thinking. Yeah, right. Yeah. In the before days is like you know anywhere between ten and fifty thousand people would die every year from influenza, and we're just cool with it. We're like, okay, that's fine. Um, I mean, obviously not fine if you're someone who's related to somebody who's lost someone, but just like as a society, we weren't like, shutting down things yeah. because of influenza. And my guess is it's probably going to be something like that. You know, it's going to be something like that where yeah. still a bunch of COVID deaths, but you know what? We're going to, we're going to keep moving on. So maybe a combination of things. Like uh, I think we've, we, did we talk about the stats of the flu over the last year where like nobody died? Yeah. yeah. Basically. Like crazy. Yeah. The because, number. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, 
I, I'm not going to butcher it, but yeah, yep. it's a yep. tiny fraction of the, right. yeah, it's, it's like, oh yeah, yeah, guess what? Ma- masks and social distancing <laughs> work Turns pretty out, well on lots of I'm, stuff. I'm going to be wearing a mask during cold season, like forever. Yeah. You yeah. know, yeah. For, I feel like the I will end too. of days. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the big question for me is stuff like, like for you, Dave, your job, like when are employers going to be saying, um, mm-hmm. time to get back in the office, everybody, or <laughs> as the world changed forever, right? A lot, is, a lot of them have said no. Like, I think Microsoft true. just said you could work anywhere at this point. So yeah, a lot of companies have said, we're just going to be a remote work company forever. Mm-hmm. But I wonder how. I wonder if that's actually going to be true or if or how prevalent that will really be, because I, I wonder when the world writes itself and things get and people start just having an acceptable norm and it feels like the flu, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, if there will be this desire to recapture that office mm-hmm. experience, mm-hmm. I don't know. Could be, could be. Offices are also expensive. So yeah. companies yeah. have been bleeding money and like moving away like. I uh, I work for Verizon and they actually just shut down their Atlanta, uh, like one of the major Atlanta offices they had and moved to a suburb that's actually really close to me. So even if uh, it, it turns out I chose the perfect place to live because uh, it's 20 minutes to get there. Not that I'll ever have to do that. But I've seen a lot of other companies make those choices, you know, reassess like where their locations are even uh, if for like a hybrid working model in the future. And I, that's how I worked in New York guys. You know, most of the yeah. days I was at home writing and maybe I'd go into the office twice or three times a year or a week to do things like a podcast. But beyond that, like I think hybrid worked best. And I think that's what we'll see moving forward. I'm, I'm hoping, I, I hope mm-hmm. the world stays changed in that regard and, and people can decouple where they live from where they work uh, even further. But I'm, I'm genuinely curious if that's going to stick or if that's going to f- be a, a thing that kind of writes itself and, mm-hmm. and is conforms back to the way it used to be. Indeed. Well, we will see. And we hope whatever you're doing out there, wherever you're working, you're staying safe, wearing a mask, staying socially distanced, and getting vaccinated. Get your uh, vaccines, people. I've indeed. talked to several people in my neighborhood who are like, no, nah, I don't know about this vaccine. Ah, dude, there's people in my fucking God. family. Dude. God. Mm. It's so, so angry depre- right now. So depressing. Yep. So depressing. Hey, it's time for me to jump in and tell you about our sponsor, StoryWorth. It's been a year. It's been a year of not seeing my family. Which is really sad. I, 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 there's been, never been a year where I haven't seen my dad in person. And so keeping up with family is really important. And you have to come up with creative ways. That's why I think StoryWorth is a perfect sponsor for the Slash Filmcast. You can feel closer to your loved ones no matter the distance. Now, I've given StoryWorth to both of my parents at this point, my dad and my mom. What is it? StoryWorth is an online service that helps your loved ones share stories through thought-provoking questions about their memories and personal thoughts. It's a fun way to engage with your family, especially the ones you can't see in person. Every single week, StoryWorth emails your family members different story prompts, questions that you've probably never thought to ask, like, has your life turned out differently than you imagined it would? Or what have you changed your mind about over the years? It's awesome. I get an email about which question was just sent to my mom, and I get to see her response. StoryWorth has helped numerous families learn about each other in profound, special ways, and their testimonials will practically move you to tears. In fact, StoryWorth has already created a powerful experience for me 
because I made a book out of my dad's story worth responses, a year full of story worth responses that he wrote meticulously. He, he started loving the experience of answering these email questions. And I got to compile it into a book that I'm going to be able to pass down to my kids, his grandkids, so they can hear about their grandfather in his own words. There's no shortage of surprises from the weekly stories, things that I didn't know about my dad and my mom. My mom's doing it now. My dad did it last year. They make our family feel closer together. After one year, StoryWorth will compile all of your stories, all of your family stories, including photos into a beautiful keepsake book that's shipped for free. I've learned about what my mom and dad were like when they were younger, how they think about the world, things that I would never have thought to ask. You can do it too. Give your loved ones the gift of spending time together wherever you live with StoryWorth. Get started right away with no shipping required by going to storyworth.com slash filmcast. You'll get $10 off your first purchase. That's storyworth.com slash, then the word slash filmcast for $10 off. S-T-O-R-Y-W-R-T-H dot com and then the slash and then S-L-A-S-H-F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T. All right. Well, let's move on to what Jeff has been watching this week. Jeff, can I, what have you been watching this week? Fellas, there has been a search party sized hole that my wife and I have been trying to fill. Oh, I have a lot of choices for you, Jeff, but okay. Oh, go good. On. No, yeah. I want to hear them. But uh, we have found a, uh, we stumbled upon a show that I hadn't really heard any buzz about, uh, probably because it originally was on True TV and it's sort of buried on True TV. Uh, but we stumbled on it. Now it is on Netflix and it is a show called I'm sorry. Uh, it is created starring, uh, written Andrea Savage, uh, the, the comedian, um, who I think is brilliant, brilliant. Andrea Savage. So funny. Uh, it is her sort of, uh, version of curb your enthusiasm. Basically it's, she's at the center of it. She often says inappropriate things, gets herself in trouble with people and flounders around in awkward situations. So, I mean, it's very, it's not like search party, but it fits that need that we have of the sort of bite size, easily digestible, 22 minute, very fun, funny, light, makes us laugh, interests us, is clever. Uh, and so it's, it's been uh, suitable. It's only two seasons. I think it got canceled right at the beginning of covid but or maybe a little earlier but uh i hope it comes back for more i find it very very funny i mean it is a very adult show um it is uncensored and they talk about all kinds of you know extreme things but she is great 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 and it's very very funny i think uh, it's called i'm sorry and it's on netflix all right uh glad that is filling the search party size hole in your heart what else be watching jeff I also checked out a new documentary that is on uh, Hulu, I believe. It is called Kid 90. As a 90s kid myself, uh, I was scrolling through Hulu and, and settled upon this. This is the autobiographical um, archival tapes filmed by one Soleil Moonfry. Uh, of Punky Brewster fame, the once and future Punky Brewster. Evidently, they've rebooted Punky Brewster uh, on the on the Peacock. 
I haven't seen any of those, but you know, as a kid of those days in the eighties and nineties, of course I, I watched Punky Brewster as a kid and um, knew about Soleil Moon Fry. This is a, Interesting in that evidently throughout her teenage years in here in Los Angeles, she had a video camera with her quite frequently and would record everything uh, in the days before everybody does that. Everybody does that now. We, we all have video cameras in our pockets all the time and we all record in, endlessly. But there was a time when that was a very rare thing. And that that time was my childhood. <laughs> uh, and it turns out that Soleil Moonfry is five days younger than me. Uh, she is, I'm almost exactly the same age as Soleil Moonfry. So watching this documentary about the 90s, about her life and the age she was at, at the time she was, is very much my own, except for the fact that I wasn't a child TV star <laughs> in Los Angeles. Um, but like, it's a who's who of every, I mean, every kid actor, every famous young person of that time hung out with each other. They all knew each other. They all hung yeah, out. Yeah. They all had sex with each other, did drugs with each other, drank with each other. It was a wholesome time. Yeah. yeah. And she yeah. kept it on camera. She's got it all on camera. So it's very vicarious. Uh, it's very um, um, voyeuristic is the word I was looking for. Uh, because, you know, you're watching all these famous kids, all these people that are now in their 40s, you know, or late 30s. Uh, that were kids at that time. A lot of them dead. A lot of them committed suicide. A lot of, you know, this is very tragic. And it's raw, right? It's it's footage of them doing these awful things and being, you know, self-involved and talking to the camera and and her journals and like, uh, you know, her how she lost her virginity and all these all these very, you know, uh, heavy topics. Uh, she she talks to the camera. They interview a lot of people that were around at that time. Um, uh, you know, I found it to be a guilty pleasure kind of a thing. It, it felt a little um, like I'm watching things maybe I I shouldn't, but <laughs> I don't know. That's overstating it. But it, you know, it's a little like talking outside of school. But but it's you know, she's trying to be honest. She you know, she went through some stuff, and she's trying to reckon with that and be as an adult, look back on it with some clarity. And she talks about how this documentary was a healing process for her, going through all these old tapes that she hadn't seen and. 30 years. Um, I, you know, it's, it's very, uh, it's not quite TMZ, right? It doesn't feel that, um, uh, exploitative, exploitative. Thank you. But, but it, it does feel a bit like ah, I shouldn't be watching this. This is private stuff. Um, but fascinating, fascinating. It's called kid 90. It's on Hulu. Kid 90 streaming right now on Hulu, and it sounds like uh, Jeff thought it was okay, but felt bad about it? <laughs> no, no, yeah, I mean, it's, it's fascinating. It's fascinating, but it, yeah. it's a little, yeah, it makes you feel a little, little bad. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not there, into the There's so TMZ many documentaries so. that exist because somebody filmed a shit ton of footage when they were a kid. Yeah. Which is why I film everything. You know, I'm like, one Good day, thinking. I'm going to be rich and famous, and people are going to pay a boatload to see all of this useless footage of me going on walks during COVID. Um, well, the and, problem uh, is, it's not novel anymore, Dave. Everybody films everything all the time. That's just what it is now. How Back dare then, you question my idea? I thought this is a brainstorming sesh, and not a sort of shooting down people's ideas yeah. sesh. We got to pay for college over here. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I got to get that wing. We got wing money to get. <laughs> 
<laughs> anyway, it's Kid 90. It's on Hulu. And uh, yes. Do, do you, either of you have any desire to see uh, the way I described it? Do you have e- either of you have any yeah. desire to see it? I probably see it. Like I have. I mean, I grew up watching all these folks, too. So I, I'm kind of interested in seeing what their lives were like. I don't know. It, uh, sounds, it, sounds, it sounds depressing to me. Is yeah, it it's, it, I mean, their lives were not great, right? I mean, they had a lot of f- quote unquote fun, but they were all damaged people, mm-hmm. you know, kids that were in a business that chewed them up and spit them out. And yeah. they didn't have any, it did, you know, by all accounts, they had no parental supervision at any point. You know, I mean, like, I'm seeing all the stories of like the really young YouTubers right now earning millions yeah. to you. I'm like, oh man, what is, what is happening there? You know, because yeah. it is the parents in charge, right? So, yeah. Or just make any generation of these kids. I would be interested if if you felt like th- something like this could actually affect change, positive change in the industry yeah, today. Yeah, but it doesn't sound like that's the case, right? Yeah. Or, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, I'll say this: I suspect that the industry is already different than that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just right. by virtue of the fact that it, you know we've had thirty years of. You know, progress since then. I and I think, especially in the last several years, in, in, you know, the, a lot of the behavior that you see probably. But you're, but Davinci is absolutely right that it's the YouTubers and you know, it's kind of switched over to this decentralized, you know, place where yes, this crazy behavior still goes on. You see it all the time. It's it's yeah. still so many, and so many info, like not just the kids, but teenage influencers and stuff too. Like I don't, I don't know where any of this stuff is going at this point, and there is no. There, there's no like regulation or anything. There's no unions. It's just, right. it's just balls to the wall content. Uh, well, when you when you add youth with notoriety mm-hmm. and money, disposable wealth, uh, you know, this, this mm-hmm. and, and a system that rewards more and more outrageous behavior. Yeah, right. Like it's you, you, on YouTube, the incentives for likes, for money, for subscribers. It, it is about. How outrageous can you be? Yeah. And the more outrageous you are, the more you walk up to that line, the more uh, benefits you get. And for sure, for sure. it's just going to you know, spit out all these terrible things. So This is uh, another reason for me to shout out the Billie Eilish documentary. Jeff, you should watch it. I think you would really appreciate it. I don't yeah. know if you like her music at all, but it is the the idea of her, like she was thrust into this world of popularity. She Her music got really popular online. She's winning all the Grammys now. Um, the movie at least does a good job of conveying like her, her at least home setup is very strong because her parents are like super supportive and right there with her and not judgy or anything. But they're also, yeah. you know, she and her brother were homeschooled too. So like they have very specific ways of raising them, which I'm mm-hmm. sure has influenced like how they're handling the success and everything. Well, that is kid 90 and it's streaming right now on Hulu. And that is what Jeff Kanata has been watching this week. Folks, let's get to weekly plugs. And the file could not be played. <laughs> I just, be, you know why? I just be, re-added it. Yeah. You just re-added it since uh, the new session you started? Not in the new session, but in the last, yeah. like, two hours ago, I re-added it. Doesn't matter. If yeah. you start a new session, you have to re-add it. I, I think it's a bug. I see. Okay. Well, it definitely is a bug. Yeah. Um, we can only we got to do it acapella well, now. Well, baby, yeah. uh, put it. You know what? You know what? Forget it, baby. Uh, we'll just do it. We're gonna do weekly plugs. Damn it! Plugs, plugs, weekly plugs. Weekly plugs. Weekly plugs. Weekly plugs. I think that's good. Well, we're gonna we'll cut that down. All right, let's get to weekly plugs, the part of the show each week where we plug something we have been making, 
or something that someone else made that we are a fan of. Um, so uh, there's a lot of uh, terrible stuff happening in the world right now, and uh, particularly in Georgia, uh, where eight people were murdered last week. Uh, and it's pretty deeply upsetting, especially to people in the Asian and Asian American community. Unculturally relevant. Uh, my wife and I spent a whole episode discussing it, breaking it down. Uh, if you want to hear what a couple of members of the Asian American community are thinking, feeling right now, I would recommend checking out uh, that episode of Culturally Relevant. So that is my yeah. weekly plug. Uh, yeah. I listened to it, Dave, and I thought you both spoke so eloquently. Uh, I would highly recommend anybody giving it a, giving it a listen. Thanks, Chef. Appreciate that. Um, okay, Devinder Hardwar, your weekly plug. Uh, yeah, not as not as socially impactful, but uh, hey, I talked to the folks behind uh, Cherry MX, the company that makes really cool mechanical keyboard switches. They're working together with Dell and Alienware to bring mechanical keys into laptops, which I think is pretty cool. That's just me as a gamer and somebody who likes like weird hardware stuff. There have been companies that have tried to shove mechanical keyboards into laptops before. I think Razer tried, but yeah, everybody. Yeah, so, who, so, so tell us about. Yeah, for, I'm a yeah, huge fan yeah. of a good laptop, right? Good laptop uh, and, of a, and of a good keyboard. Like good keyboards, very important to me. I don't. So, I don't know about this for you. Like, here's the thing. The good thing about a mechanical keyboard is you get that feel. You get that that click. Like it clickety sounds clickety clack. Sounds really good. It's especially good for gaming because like you get really good responsiveness for like the WASD motion and anything you're really pressing on the keyboard. Not great for recording or podcasting, which is why I never <laughs> have true. one That's in true. front of me, uh, at least while we're podcasting. Otherwise, I kind of have to switch it up because they're they're loud. They're really annoying. I have like a really quiet Logitech keyboard right now, which uh, yeah. is better for what we're doing. I, but I will hey. tell you, I got a I got a silent mouse for uh, hmm. my podcast setup, and it's it has been smart. a game. It's been a game is, changer. That's what's a good loud idea. about a mouse. Hmm. What'd you say, Jeff? I said, "What's loud about a mouse?" The the click when you click on it. It, it, it it's a it's a very loud it's like a high pitched loud sound. Take 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 a listen to this, guys. I can't hear it. I heard nothing. <laughs> I heard nothing. Oh yeah, no. Oh there yeah, it is. There it is. There, there it is. is. Yeah. Uh, I hear it a lot in my recording. Yeah yeah yeah. Mm. So I mine like makes almost no no sound anymore. Here here is a here. Let me see if I can do this. Here is a like regular mouse, right? Do you guys hear that? No. No. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah I heard yeah, it. Yeah. I heard okay, it. Yeah. And then here's like the new mouse. I'm not even gonna do it because you can't hear it at all. So I'm not um, even gonna do it. <laughs> <laughs> you just home shopping network ad. It <laughs> it's so good. I don't even need to try. <laughs> it's so good. I don't even need to show you. <laughs> Imagine that nothing. That was amazing. That is what this mouse sounds like. That was amazing. <laughs> All right. Oh, that was wait, wait, what is this uh, silent keyboard cost or uh, mouse call? So funny. Uh, uh, Lenovo <laughs> makes one. The one I'm using is Logitech. Um, All right. But yeah, I'm, if you just look up like uh, if you just look up like silent mouse, there, there's like that's different actually models a great of, idea. I need yeah, to. Yeah, I'd to recommend get it. On that. Recommend yep. it. Uh, but anyway, these keys. It's look so really silent. Cool. I, I just literally don't even <laughs> respect you enough to show you what it actually sounds like. <laughs> It's, it's, <laughs> it's the best thing I've ever. It's clicks so are for closers. Okay. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> clicks are for closers. The the Logitech M three thirty silent plus. Is what yes. I'm okay. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna demonstrate how clean this detergent can get your laundry. Here's a shirt with dirt all over. Look how much dirt it is. Here is the brand new shirt. It's basically what it would look like if I washed it. <laughs> 
I'm glad, I'm glad what you the appreciate my does. Is it makes it look like this brand new shirt. <laughs> that's that's what the detergent does. Yeah, yeah, no, that's right. That's right. Okay, anyway, so <laughs> mechanical keyboards. It's hard to do it in slim laptops, but Alienware found a way to do it, Devendra. Yeah, with, with Cherry Mix. I don't, like, the key is, like, these companies have to, like, stick with it, you know, because others have tried and gave up after a year or two. I think this could be pretty cool. So look for it in the new Alienware, like, M15 and M17, and hopefully I'll be reviewing those soon. All right. That's over at Engadget.com. Yes. Jeff, your weekly plug. You got some big news today, Jeff. Big news. Big news. The Dungeon Run, which is my live play Dungeons & Dragons show. You've heard me talk about it before. I'm so proud of it. Really a labor of love for the entire team. It was canceled uh, by the company that would, was funding it um, several months ago. And we have brought it back. We through Yay. a long negotiation process, we got the rights to to bring the show back. We're doing it ourselves because we all love it so much. Uh, the five cast members and myself, we now uh, have the rights to to make the show ourselves. We're going to be streaming it on Twitch. Uh, it'll be on YouTube as well. Twitch.tv slash The Dungeon Run. We start back with new episodes March 31st. Um, but you can, well, every single night up to then, we are streaming uh, at 6 p.m. Pacific time at twitch.tv slash the dungeon run uh, old episodes with some commentary just to sort of get people back acclimated to the show. Uh, and then new episodes every Wednesday night, 6 p.m. Pacific time on Twitch with uh, YouTube to follow. Uh, and and we're doing it through Patreon. So uh, we're doing it through the kindness and generosity of, of our fans. We have the best fans. It's so great. Uh, they're helping bring the show back. And so uh, I'm really, really excited because I love doing the show and we were sad uh, when we weren't able to do it anymore. Uh, and it wasn't because the show wasn't doing well. It, it, they they canceled the show because the whole platform went in a completely different direction. Mm. Uh, they do only rap battles now on, on that, on that, on love caffeine. It. Yeah, okay. which is cool. But um, we, they didn't really have a place for us. So it's just awesome that they were very generous and um, did you, did gracious. Did you consider redoing the Dungeon Run as an entirely rap battle D&D? <laughs> we pitched it to them just to let us keep going. We're like, we'll we'll put rap battles in. We'll do it. Yeah, you know, you, you see an orc, you got a what rhymes with orc? You know, what rhymes um, with magic missile? Yeah, yeah. There you go. Uh, <laughs> well, congrats, Jeff. And I watched the announcement of the dungeon run returning, and I'm just gonna say uh, I learned way more about the appearance of your mouth than I care to. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty know. goofy. It was yeah, not. What, you you would think that I would actually uh, trim my mustache before doing that, but I didn't. I didn't. I know the state of Jeff's teeth mm, watching I, that video. Now. Is this just like you say that in a way tooth, not good. You, it seems like you're commenting that it's not good state. It's like I've just seen something that is indescribable. It's like mm. I've just seen Zack Snyder's Justice League, which, by the way, is what we're about to review starting right now. I spent a lot of time trying to divide us. I made a promise to him on his grave. I need to bring us together. There are enemies coming from far away. They serve an old power. This world is divided. No protectors here. No lanterns. No Kryptonium. It will fall in his name. I have turned the world. 
That was from the trailer for Zack Snyder's Justice League. I'm going to read the plot summary of this movie on IMDb. Zack Snyder's definitive director's cut of Justice League, determined to ensure Superman's ultimate sacrifice was not in vain, Bruce Wayne aligns forces with Diana Prince with plans to recruit a team of metahumans to protect the world from an approaching threat of catastrophic proportions. This is a slash filmcast joining us today. You may have seen him on his own YouTube channel, as well as his podcast, All My Movies. He also has a very robust Patreon page. Dan Merle, welcome back to the Slash Filmcast. Dan, how's it going today? It's going great. It's my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me back. So great to have you on. We had you on uh, not too long ago to discuss Tenet. You reviewed The Mandalorian with us. Uh, and we're honored that you're joining us to discuss Zack, Zack Snyder's Justice League. Let's talk about what your expectations for this movie were going into this, Dan. I mean, I think it was no surprise or no secret to a lot of our listeners that this wasn't exactly a review we were super psyched for. But I'm curious if you were psyched for it. I was curious about it. And and I think that's when when they announced that it was actually happening, I was very surprised. I had said openly and publicly many times that there's not a chance in hell this was ever going to happen. Uh, I, I did not see the advent of streaming and the need for stuff happening during, you know, any time really, but particularly leading up to this time where I think HBO Max and Warner saw an opportunity to perhaps have a great banner piece of content. I hate the word content, but content. Um, so I was very curious to know were, what was were, in this cut. You were snide curious? I was, yes. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Dan. I'm no, so I sorry it. about this. I, I, I'm I'm so I appreciate sorry about this. See, because pun. his name is Snyder, Dave. Oh, my God. That's I was why I, very, cause... very snide curious. And I honestly had no idea what to expect because it's unrestrained Zack Snyder. Who knows what to expect, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm so embarrassed right now. But all that said, all that said, Dan, given that you were very curious about this movie, as many of us were, uh, and, and we, we should also point out, by the way, that like at this point, this movie has got to be one of the most expensive films of all time, right? As far as I understand, there was obviously the original cut that had a lot of Zack Snyder's work, plus uh, Joss Whedon's reshoots. Then they spent an additional reported $70 million on this version. And from what I understand, that is actually an underestimate. Uh-huh. Uh, so, and, and there's a black and white cut coming. So yeah. <laughs> more. Yeah. More. We'll we'll be watching. We're still watching Snyder Cut right now, actually, as we're as we're recording this. Um, but yes, uh, this is a uh, a project that has, like, I guess, is the ultimate demonstration of the sunk cost fallacy. All that said, Dan Merle, what did you end up thinking of the Snyder Cut? It reminded me a little bit of some other films that I've seen, and I'm not making a comparison in overall quality, but uh, Den of Thieves with Gerard Butler. Uh, Hubie Halloween with Adam Sandler. Not again, not in quality, but in the sense that I got as I was watching it, where I walk into every movie with an open mind, but you walk in also, you know, maybe who's starring in it. You you walk in with a a wonder of just like, is it going to be like these experiences I've had in the past? I really liked it. And I was, I was kind of shocked by how much I liked it. If I'm being honest, because I have not been a particular fan of uh, his previous DCEU films. I've, I've liked his other films, some of them that were not in the DCEU, but, um, and you know, I was, I was not one of those people that thought that the extreme edition or whatever of Batman V Superman made it a different movie. I think it made it a more coherent movie, but it did not bring me all the way around on Batman V Superman. I just think that it was, it, I was kind of my jaw dropped a few times when a scene would end and I would be like, why did they, why did they cut that? 
Why did they get rid of that? Because I thought this was his strongest by far as far as character work. Um, uh, uh, Cyborg's arc for me was a perfect character arc just from the beginning to the end of the film. The stuff with the Flash, even just these little character moments. I I loved Alfred uh, in this movie and his interactions. Like every scene would come and, you know, I rolled my eyes a couple times. It was a bit indulgent in places, um, more than a bit indulgent in other places. But I generally came out of it feeling that this was a far more complete version of this movie and it served its characters far better and it set things up far more um, that I just I I genuinely questioned where like did they just kind of wave the white flag with this? Because I, I at the time. I thought they were still planning on making more of these and doing a cyborg movie and all this stuff. And it seemed like they took every step to do not that. Um, and the version they released for three and a half years ago. So I, I, I was shocked by how much I liked it. I have to be honest, but I've, I've let it sink in. I've, I've revisited parts of it and it's, it's, there's some stuff in there. That's my favorite stuff in any superhero movie, which right, if let's... you would have played this audio clip for me two years ago, I would have said you were crazy. What you alternate say, world did you come from? Exists, you silly fool. Exactly. Right? Um, <laughs> you would have said that is the craziest thing about the year 2021 that I could imagine. Yep. <laughs> Nothing could get weirder than that. Nothing could get weirder. Yeah. So, uh, we should point out a couple of things. First of all, uh, we are going to spoil Zack Snyder's Justice League. So, like, if you haven't seen, there's not going to be a separate spoiler section because this movie's several years old, and like the ending is fairly similar, and it's not like there's there's a lot of differences, but it, the fundamental storyline is the same, in my opinion. Like in terms of what these people are trying to accomplish, um, but we will be spoiling Zack Snyder's Justice League. So, spoiler, consider this year a spoiler alert starting right now. And Dan, I think this is a great point that. Zack Snyder's Justice League is a much bigger improvement over the original Justice League than the Batman v Superman director's cut was an improvement over that film. Would you agree? I yeah, one hundred percent. I agree. It's like vast. Batman v like, Superman for me was more of the same. Yeah. Um. It it, it was this. It was essentially the same movie. It just the story made a lot more sense. But it was essentially the same movie. This was a completely different movie in many ways than we got in twenty seventeen. Yeah, I'm still trying to puzzle out your comparison to Hoobie Halloween. (laughs) So basically, it's not it's not a movie to movie comparison. It's this feeling that I got like halfway through Hoobie Halloween. I was sitting on the couch watching it and I and I had this realization in my brain. I thought, I don't hate this. (laughs) (laughs) And I was kind of surprised because I I didn't go in wanting to hate it. But I, I went in knowing that hating it or not liking it was a distinct possibility. Right. That that was uh, that was I guess the same reaction you had to Den of Thieves as well. Yes, I, I don't hate bro- this. I thought you brought up Den of Thieves because you thought Zack Snyder's Justice League is the greatest film of all time. <laughs> no, um, just like no. Den of Thieves is. Right? I, got, so. I was about halfway through Den of Thieves and I was like, why why don't I dislike this movie? I was coming in pr- completely prepared. I felt the same way about Venom. To be fair, I got halfway through mm. Venom. I was like, I feel like I should be hating this movie, but I'm <laughs> I'm kind of not. It's I don't know. Maybe I just have weird taste. Den of Thieves is delightful. And I just want to put that out there. If you are looking for a uh, a really well done heat ripoff, Den of Thieves is the movie for you. It is a t- is a grade A heat ripoff. The a, lo- thing- a lot of a uh, lot of hashtags slash or, yeah hashtag slash tags uh, recommending Den of Thieves. I've noticed. Yeah, uh, Dan Merle, we use the hashtag slash tag on Twitter to, for like people it. to recommend things to us, and uh, Den of Thieves among those things. Um, the the one other thing I wanted to mention though, Dan, is that my understanding is. 
Uh, obviously, Zack Snyder parted ways with Justice League under uh, tragic circumstances and challenging circumstances. Um, but my understanding is Joss Whedon was brought in. Uh, at the time, he had already shepherded Avengers to great success. And so th- the creative brief was take Zack Snyder's Justice League, uh, add some jokes, and bring it in under two hours. Yeah, weeding it up, and basically weeding it up, yeah. and that's and that's what he did. And so, like, if you look at Justice League, the the uh, runtime is like almost exactly two hours. And I think that that's you know he met that brief, but he cut out so much of this movie that gave it the heart that we saw in Zack Snyder's version of Justice League. Um, yeah. so I think it's I think part of it is that two hour runtime that really really hurt the film. Uh, the, but, the but they didn't version. make him put in the Russian villagers. That was all. <laughs> that was all I Joss. Mean, yeah, that, that was, was all Joss. Joss. If, if they had just cut the crap out of Snyder's movie, then I would maybe give Joss Whedon a little right. bit more of a pass. I, I also blame the studio because that's just so arbitrary to be like, what was the problem? Just make it two hours. That'll fix everything. That's great. Right. That's class one first a class uh executive thinking uh but i but it's also the stuff that went in instead that like i'm not going to give him a pass on that because that stuff was pretty bad uh i don't uh disagree uh i'll just say one other thing about it which is like this all the stuff i'm about to say goes without saying and yet i'm gonna say it anyway which is that dc obviously made terrible choices right like they did they wanted the same bank as the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but they weren't willing to put in the time, right? And that's that's what's led to a lot of the problems we have. That's what led to like shoving Batman into Man of Steel two and making it Batman v Superman. That's what led to launching Justice League before you had an Aquaman independent film. You know, like they they rushed it, and uh, so I think there were a lot of original sins that the DC universe uh, had made prior to Justice League coming out that led to the problematic uh, picture we saw in 2017. So a real tortoise in the hare situation. You know? <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Right. That's right. Yeah. Um, okay. Divin your hardware. <laughs> you're, you're the one that seems most disdainful of this entire thing. I'm curious. Did you like Zack Snyder's Justice League? Um, you know what? I, I'm kind of right there with you, Dan, in terms of this being a vast improvement over Whedon's movie. Although I guess that's not saying much, but watching this movie just, just, a song came to mind for me and it goes like Ooh. this. Ooh. Okay. All right. I'm not going to sing it. No, this you got to sing it. I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> this is a song that doesn't end. Yes. It goes on and on. My friend, some people started singing it, not knowing what it was and they'll continue singing it forever. Just because this movie just goes on and on and on. I get it. And it's an improvement because Zack Snyder had four goddamn four. He had four hours to tell the story. So, of course, it's a fuller story. Of course, it's like more fleshed out. You get more of the world and more of the characters. And I think all that, I think there's some genuinely good stuff in here. I think the cyborg plotline in general and everything Ray Fisher does is fantastic. And I've actually been watching a lot of Doom Patrol and there's another version of cyborg in that. And I, I think that storyline, there's just so much to kind of mine there in terms of like, um, it's like a modern day Frankenstein story, you know, and I, I think it works really well here. And Ray Fisher just is the heart of the movie, like Zack Snyder said he was. Um, but there's also just so much else like it is it is pure uncut Snyder, you know, like this is the this is the Snyder movie where, you know, Lois Lane walking to get a coffee is in slow motion. <laughs> you know, this is a Snyder movie where. I, uh, why did those girls just sniff Aquaman's sweater? Because while singing, 
A midsummer song? I don't. I, I, I don't know. It's I so feel like Aquaman sweater wouldn't smell very good. That's not. I mean, it, it yeah. probably would. Like, I would probably do that too if I saw Jason Momoa walking by. Like, I, I'd probably go for a sniff. <laughs> you would but sniff it, is, it with with it still on his body. Probably, I would sniff actually. it. I, would I mean, that's it. preferable. I, I got the preferable yeah. way to yeah. sniff it. I got slightly worried because that's early in the movie, and when we yeah. got to the third stanza of that song, the Aquaman <laughs> song, I was like, Oh, uh oh, we're, we're okay, just, we're just gonna keep doing this. Um, we're gonna keep going. Yeah, no, I will grant there is some fluff there that can be cut. There is. There's a ton of fluff here. Sounds like Davinder wants to add a little fluff, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Wow. Uh, I think there's a great three-hour movie in this four-hour movie. How about that? And I think actually, (laughs) looking back at some of the Whedon stuff too, there's some stuff there that I I like. I like the fact that Joss Whedon uses color. This this thing, (laughs) you know, that we all have. There's a point in this movie where Superman gets a uh, a black suit, right? And literally for 20 minutes, I couldn't tell. It was a black suit because everything looks like goddamn, you know, washed out colors. So I couldn't even really tell that it was he wasn't just in shadows. Oh, no, it's a completely different outfit. You're going to love the black and white version, Devendra. Yeah, the black and white version is really going to make it all very clear. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But I I think there's there's a good mixture between what these two brought to these movies. I actually forgot that uh, the, the original Justice League cut still has Snyder's name as the director. Right. It is sort of like weird how Whedon is basically hidden as a directorial hand in that movie there there's stuff i like in that one i actually like the uh i like the opening credits of of whedon's justice league because in this movie we don't really get a sense of how the world responded to superman dying and that's something i I think that scale is kind of interesting at the same time i also like the way the opening of this movie is portrayed like it's very operatic you know, it's very this movie goes for like six, seven minutes with no dialogue because it's just slow-mo Snyder vision. Um, but it's Superman's death whale, you know, resonating across the world. And that's it's dorky enough and you know, like ballsy enough. Like it's it's an interesting visual thing. I think my main takeaway from this is that it is so clear just how much better a visual stylist Zack Snyder is than Joss Whedon. I, I think like that's the main takeaway, right? Like he can make things look good and he's very good at making superheroes sit in and stand in iconic poses uh there's a lot of good here but there's stuff i like from the whedon one too like i don't think all those jokes missed i actually think having a lighter tone is better than a pure grimdark tone and by the time we get to the you know the epilogue sequence you know the joker epilogue sequence i i wanted to throw something at my tv <laughs> Because there is so much good stuff in this movie, and then like there's also just so much shit alongside it too. It's really hard to like get a sense of, oh, this this is actually a good movie. No, I kept I kept kind of, kind of like wavering back and forth. Um, I think ultimately I'm kind of glad this version exists just so we get get to see it. I'm glad Ray Fisher, this work he put in that was cut out com- completely from Whedon's version. Like I'm glad that's out there. I'm not a fan of how this came about and of the toxic fandom that kind of grew up around this. And I know Snyder himself, like kind of started goading people saying that, Oh, you know, the the movie coming out is not really mine. And I have a much better one. He has all these ideas. Um, Yeah. I have a lot of complex feelings over how all that goes down because the fact that this things exists really makes me wonder what will happen in the future. You know, when fans don't get their way, Uh, we saw this with mass effect three, and the ending for that game. Like, it's just a lot Son- of Sonic stuff. the Hedgehog, more recently. Sonic the Hedgehog. Sonic the Hedgehog. But at least that didn't, that was just like the entire world saying no. You know, <laughs> it, it wasn't just like internet trolls being misogynistic and assholes. It was just like people saying this, look, no, 
give me a better Sonic because you know, give me a Sonic uh, that I grew up with or something. It, it was know. the Superman death scream of video game movie. Exactly, takes. it <laughs> echoed around the world around and was world. noticed. Exactly, by yes. exactly. Yeah. We yeah. saw one image and we were like, no. Um, so yeah, complex feelings. I'm not a fan of like where this leaves us as a culture and how yeah. fans can dictate how these things come back. And uh, yeah, yeah, and it's done. It's four hours. I don't have to think about it after this re- review, right? Like that's where I am. All right. Uh, let me just put this out there. I know there's a lot of people. Uh, I know there's a lot of people out there that are going to say, uh, "Hey, I'm not one of those toxic fans." You know, like I just wanted Zack Snyder to have his vision realized. If you are not one of those people, great. You're great. not who we're talking to. You're not. Uh, who also, we're talking to, if you, know? you are one of those people and spent no effort or energy to squash that element of the fandom, like I don't understand, like how you're not part of the problem. <laughs> Reevaluate you re-evalu- your priorities. Exactly. Your, yeah. All right, Jeff Kanata, what did you think of Zack Snyder's Justice League? Well, Dave, I guess you could say what I felt about Zack Snyder's Justice League could best be summed up in the form of a limerick. Hmm. All right. Fancy that. Me liking this movie despite this Superman and this Dark Knight seemed impossible, but... The four-hour cut proved all those crazy fans right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah, some, some creative uh, use of the meter there, Jeff. But uh, pretty good. Perfect. Pretty good. It's perfect. Nicely done. Um, I, I agree with Dan. Um, I watched this in one sitting, was never bored, engaged throughout, never wanted to turn it off, shocked, shocked uh, that I was enjoying it as much as I enjoyed it. There is still a lot of this movie I don't like. Uh, And maybe that was blunted by the fact that it was known quantity stuff, right? There's script problems that I want to get into. But I I think this movie, if this was two two two-hour movies that they had released, you know, a la Infinity War and Endgame, I think the first two-hour movie I would have actively loved. The first mm. two hours of this movie were before we get any Superman at all, other than that first scream moment. But if, if there's the first two hours of this movie, zero Superman is a very good movie. It's a really entertaining, fun movie. That first two hours, it is it is full of really awesome set pieces. The, the way we get introduced to Wonder Woman in this movie, her action set piece introduction. Yes, it was in the original cut. I, I'm reminded how awesome that was. I could have done without the f bomb dropped in it for no reason whatsoever. But <laughs> it is thrilling, beautifully shot, kinetic, exciting, awesome intro to that character. The way we get introed to the Flash in this movie is so much fun, so cool. It is a, uh, I love, basically I love everything about the Flash. Yes, he's it, he's so cool in this movie. He's so I love cool it, yeah. and he's, it's a different way of looking at that power set than I've ever seen. Like it does do the thing we saw with Quicksilver and some other things where it's so fast that it's slow for him. Right. It does do that, but it also does a thing that I've never seen fast expressed as, except for in comics, which is the like, almost like a, um, a slideshow because he's moving so fast that you only see it in in uh, sections of, of movement. Like he's bopping in, almost like he's teleporting, you know? 
And I loved that. I thought it was so cool. I thought it was so visually interesting. Him as comic relief really worked for me. Cyborg stuff, you guys have already gone over that. Like everybody in this movie, Aquaman, everybody in this movie that isn't Superman or Batman is really great. It's really great. I just fundamentally disagree with his take on Superman and Batman. Yeah. Mm. Talk about Batman. original sin, by the way. Like that yeah. is the yeah. original sin of this entire thing. Yeah. Batman is a gap, Gatling gun firing, missile launching, <laughs> shoot him in the face, yeah. tank driving, battle carrier operating <laughs> Punisher. He's the Punisher. He's a pu but also fundamentally useless in every single major battle. <laughs> Yes. I kind of love that. Too. There's nothing Batman about this Batman. Nothing. The only Batman thing about this Batman is the costume and Alfred. You know, like we don't even, we, there's zero Bruce Wayne. There's, it's like, it doesn't, it's, there's, this Batman take is not my favorite. Mm -hmm. Superman, even worse. Yeah. Right. Even worse. There is, like, I, you know, I think if it, if it had been two two hour movies, the first two-hour movie ends when they're standing around the mother box and you see the mother box suggesting that they resurrect Superman, right? That's yeah. that's how that first movie ends. And then they all turn to each other and go, yeah, we're going to be able to bring Superman back. End of movie. Oh, my gosh. Next movie, we're going to get Superman back. That makes it feel like, oh, it wasn't just cheap that they killed Superman and brought him back immediately in the next movie. Like, we, we get a little of that endgame-esque, like, let it sink in a bit that these heroes are gone, right? The second two-hour movie in my conception of how this might play out, the first time we see Superman, he is this horrible, fearsome monster. And yes, it's cool that he sees the Flash with his side eye. Yes, that's a cool, clever shot. But the idea that he would destroy us all and we have to fight him and how, how inhuman. And yes. Oh, I get it. He he's back and he's not in his right mind yet. And only Lois could bring him back. Fuck all that, dude. <laughs> it's Superman. It's, it's Superman. Superman. Jeff, Jeff, I'm reminded. I had just recently rewatched Step Brothers, and that whole sequence is very much the <laughs> don't wake up a sleepwalker. Whatever yeah. you do. <laughs> yeah. Don't wake a sleep. Don't go wake him up. They'll go crazy. Right. Yeah. No perfect analogy. Um, And, and honestly, there is nothing superman about superman in any moment in this movie like we get a, a lovely sort of scenic uh, pit stop in kansas which is okay fine but like you said Devendra, we don't even get red and blue in, in this movie there's no superman in this movie it is just this monster and to drive that point home, the epilogue is like, oh, oh, by the way, just in case you thought there might be some happy Superman, <laughs> fuck you. Superman's a monster and you should be terrified of him. Like yeah. you thought you thought the, the ending of this movie was happy, right? Well, it's yeah. not. No, no, no. Okay? Superman is a monster to be to be feared. Uh, and, and so I just fundamentally loathe that notion of Superman. I'll tell you a quick anecdote. Um, my four year old son was hanging out with his grandmother and she said, oh, because she doesn't know anything. She just saw, uh, you know, ads or whatever. She said, oh, there's a new Superman movie out. And my son, mm. this is, I'm not around during this conversation, but later on, my son turns to me and goes, daddy, is there a new, is there a Superman movie? <laughs> and, and I thought to myself, 
You're like, yeah, no, a son. four-year-old should be excited about a Superman <laughs> right? movie. Yeah. 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 A four-year-old no, should son, be... No, a- Superman is dead. Yeah. Superman <laughs> is dead. Not only that, but he's okay. evil, and he will destroy us all. He doesn't do anything out of the goodness of his heart. He's a... Anyway. Yeah. It, yeah. I, 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 I will, agree completely. Sorry, Jeff. I'll let you finish. Go I ahead. was just going to say, I understand he's not making this movie for four-year-olds, so hold your emails. But... That, that doesn't change the fundamental notion of what Superman is supposed to represent, you know, truth, justice in the American way. Right. That's that's the that's the notion. And the idea that there's nothing in there at all. There's no redemption. There's no he at the end of the movie. We're, we're like, yeah, no, he murdered everybody. And I understand that's pulled from the injustice storyline. Like, I understand what the references and all that stuff. And the we're talking about Lois died and in, in, in this alternate timeline. Fuck you. Don't leave me the last note of this four hour journey of like. Wow, Superman's going to kill everybody and create a, <laughs> uh, you know, a wasteland hellscape. That epilogue was like, for I will grant you that, you know, there was a lot of trade-offs that I had to make. Number one being Superman. The one takeaway I had from the 2017 Justice League was I didn't really like much of anything that was in there, but I liked that they got Superman like to like a place where he's like got the joy of life. He's right. The, he's the I liked that. And it was like, OK, we've grappled. Superman has finally come to a point where he's closer to the Superman that I enjoy watching. And then you're right. That's not in this movie. That's one of the trade offs. Uh, and I wish that maybe there could have been a little bit more of that. But I also liked I, I liked I think what we got a little bit more minus the epilogue. The epilogue for me was is particularly the nightmare stuff. Uh, it did not turn me around on Jared Leto. As a matter of fact, I've doubled down on my thoughts on oh, Jared Leto man. as a Joker. What, what and is going on there? The, the epilogue for me was like getting served this beautiful meal and then you get to dessert and they give you one of those, like not even a nice mint, like one of those <laughs> mints that was like in your grandparents' house that had been there for 25 years. And <laughs> yeah. It's like it's the chalky. It's been on the counter. It's, it's like the counter. Chalky one, yeah. Like the wrappers glued yeah, to it. It's hard. Like I, I, we got to the end of the movie and I like, okay, they wrapped up this character. Up there. Oh, okay. Oh, a Martian Manor. Oh, that's interesting. And then that that nightmare thing, though, for me was just like, this was what I thought the whole movie was going to be. This was yeah. what I was worried yeah. that the whole movie was going to be. And um, so I will. That is not the best way to go out for me. I will agree there on this cut. That was my least favorite stuff by far. Yeah. Of anything else in the movie was all and, of uh, the future nightmare stuff. I cannot. I can't let us talk about the epilogue, which I think is atrocious. Yes. On, on every level, almost I, single-handedly ruined yeah. the film. Like yeah, that is it, how yeah. bad it is. Utterly yeah. atrocious. Like yeah. the Martian Manhunter thing would be cool if he didn't say, "Oh, you can call me Martian Man." Some call me Martian Manhunter. Call me John. John. That would be cool no, and fine. hip and. We got to have a moratorium on superheroes looking at the camera uh-huh. and saying what their superhero name is like. Uh, there's going to be <laughs> carnage, you know, like they, we got to stop this because it is awful every single time. it happens. And anyway, that's not yeah. even as bad as I'm going to fucking kill you. Really? That's the message we want to end the movie on. <laughs> but they're also they're working together. Why would you? Why would you team up with this guy when you got Superman? On, I don't understand any yeah, in of what, that. In what universe is the Joker useful in that scenario? <laughs> Just keeping you in check, keeping your ego in check, Bruce Wayne. That's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so let me just say that I think, really, go, again, going back to original sins, uh, they really, I think, at the end of the day. They should not have hired DC should not have hired Zack Snyder to manage this franchise. I think um, because I think Zack Snyder fundamentally doesn't understand Superman. And a lot of people, you know, I'm seeing in the chat room right now, 
um, Kay Asante in the chat room as we're broadcasting live is saying, Superman has been around since the 1950s. There are so many takes at this point and many movies. Let's have one evil Superman. And I guess that's a okay, defense. Many point. evil watch, Superman. Watch the yeah. boys. Watch yeah, the yeah, boys. Well, that's, yeah. that's the thing is you can create characters that are not Superman that can do that, right? In which Of which Homelander from the boys is one great example, right? Like I, I, why... I, I, but, I think like what the two to what he's saying, by the way, like you can have a movie that's about an evil Superman, but rooted like I don't think this Superman was rooted in anything other than his father telling him literally, do not help people. <laughs> do not help people. Your powers will tell her terrify humanity. Therefore, you know, uh, pity these humans. Let me die in a tornado like none of that. None of that made sense. You can have him go bad. Sure. But don't have him start from a place of complete like misanthropy or something. I think they did. I will speak up for Superman. I will stand for Superman here. I think they brought that around a little bit in this one, though, mm-hmm. when he's hearing his father's voices at the end. And, and Jonathan Kent's voice is the one saying it's time to stand up in front of the world. It's time to be, you know, like it's it's I think that's a little bit of a turnaround in that he's come to grips with that. And it's not good. It's it's terrible advice. Yeah, yeah. It's jo- objectively, Kent, it's objectively it, terrible advice. Is that Jonathan Kent from the afterlife going, son? Son, I think I was wrong. I'm, I'm in heaven now. This You really need to protect humans. They need your help. I like but to think that it's Superman's movie- psyche kind of yeah. coming to terms yeah. on his own terms with the fact that maybe his dad wasn't exactly 100% right about the whole let innocence die thing. Um, and, uh, you know. But but you, Dan, you can't give the movie any credit for that when the last image we see is a premonition dream of Batman seeing Superman as the ultimate evil that ruined the world. Well, that complicates things. <laughs> yeah. That, that does there. complicate yeah. things. Yeah. I, so I, I agree I with you there. I think that it's uh, to to me, it would have been here. This is my opinion, and a lot of people disagree. Would have been nice to have a Superman that was good. Like it just uh, would have been nice. Would have been nice and. Uh, we don't have that anymore. I think that these movies have basically ruined Superman for a generation, right? Like there's there's going to be a generation, a good 10, 20 years where people will not be sure if they can take their kids to go see the new Superman movie uh, because it might have a jar of piss in it. Uh, and it's like, <laughs> you know, like it's 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 a shit. We've it's a desecration that we've lost these amazing characters I agree. for a generation. And it's very, it's sad. It's sad. I agree with and everything um, except the jar of piss thing. <laughs> Every movie needs a jar of piss, please. Yeah. But, uh, these characters aren't like the series hasn't killed them. Like Superman and Lois is a show that is airing right now. And from all accounts, people really like it. And it's a very sweet, like earnest take on Superman. So there are other ways kids are getting these. The cartoons are fantastic. Like the, it's not ending with the series, but certainly, yeah, the idea of big budget Superman movies are cur- probably going to be dead for a while, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Oh, all I, that I, said, all I that would, said, I would, I, I, I would agree with everything. With that. Okay. Oh, okay. okay. I think well, within five years, we're going to have a, a truth, justice in the American way, blight, bright red boots fly in Superman on the big screen. I really honestly do. I think I can that, see that. I think yeah. we're going to have They're it. desperate. They need I, anything. I hope, yeah. I hope. I mean, remember like Superman returns. That was a very, very troubled production um superman like it just for some reason it takes a long time to get these movies made and often when they're made they don't really take off in the way people hope so i'm um i'm not as optimistic as you dan but i i hope so i hope it happens uh all that said i gotta agree with you guys that i really enjoyed this movie (laughs) like i had a lot of fun with this i enjoyed how over the top it was and devinger you're talking about how like the color palette is really hard to see, and it's nice to have some color in movies. I agree. I think Marvel films and DCEU films, 
they, they would benefit from some color and uh, contrast and saturation. The problem is that this movie was originally shot with Zack Snyder's color palette in mind. Right, right, right. And so when, Zach, when Joss Whedon decided to add a bunch of saturation and warmth to the colors, it doesn't look version, they looked bad. Like the, yeah. the costumes look bad. Like they weren't optimized in the correct way. They weren't tested in the correct way. The, the whole final and, sequence was red for some reason, I recall. Right? Yeah. Vast improvement here. Um, so overall, this movie I think is a lot better than the original 2017 version. Uh, biggest additions. You guys have mentioned Cyborg. Love the Flash stuff. Uh, the ending of this movie is actually really, really powerful. There's this moment when yeah. Yeah. the Flash basically reverses time. Like, everything so about cool. the Flash is so cool in this movie. Yeah. Like, the I way got he physically moves, like how it conveys his abilities, the lightning yeah, the, and everything. The running stride that he yes. takes, which it, every time you see this, the Flash, it's like the perfect sprinter, but way faster. And the idea that he's in this, like, elongated, yes. goofy stride is such a inspired thing i, I it's loved so cool. it it's so yeah. cool i love it and then he re- he rewinds time at the end and it's just like and the way it happens is like wow that shot costs like 30 million dollars right there you know like it, it looks really to, good it, yeah, it looks yeah. really really cool and also the tag and, team takedown i yeah, yeah, loved yeah. it loved um it. and Come it, on. It, it kind of was uh it was a a cool character moment for the flash too uh i liked the step like steppenwolf looks a lot better in this uh, version of the film yeah. uh he and his the armor, plan makes sense yeah, uh, you I actually guess. understand he why motivation. he's there and what he's doing. He's yeah. got some yeah, kind of he, sense. He, 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 has, he has a more of a character, you know, uh, backstory than he's evil. You know, like... Here's the thing, so though. Yeah. I, I like that we get more um, dark side, right? That the, the dark side is the looming threat. But yeah. there's no difference between Steppenwolf and Darkseid. They Correct. look the same. Well, there's <laughs> just and they one have the same... They have the same methodology, right? Yeah, and they have the same wielding, voice. They all talk like this. Well, and, you know, and they're, like, all, they're both wielding a big ass magic hammer axe and do the same. They do the same shit. It's mm-hmm, like there's no, mm-hmm. there's yeah. no discernible difference. Like, wh- why have two characters when you could have one? It's because well, you got to set it up for the next one. Yeah, yeah you got to set up Darkseid for the, for the next one. Well, I know, but then yeah. you have make them work in different ways, make them yeah. operate in fu- functionally, have different power sets. You know, be a different threat. Missed opportunity. Missed opportunity there. But yeah, I, uh, I I think Steppenwolf as a character is a little bit better, and he certainly looks a lot cooler. I love the armor. Like, the design is, like, genuinely... Fr- like, the armor could kill you, basically, on its yeah. own. And it, I, like, I like, breathes that part of it. with him. It's yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, and just, it's, you know, I think... I remember, Jeff Kanata, I think you asked this question when we were reviewing Rise of Skywalker. You're like, would you rather J.J. Abrams had directed all three films? And it's like... Uh, on on like on some level no because we wouldn't have gotten less jedi but on some yeah. level yes because we would have gotten a cohesive unified vision of what this was supposed to be and even a flawed version of that is better than one that's really haphazard completely agree. and i think that's true here as well where this is Zack snyder's vision for this movie like it feels like pretty not necessarily fully realized but pretty close to fully realized and it is a far superior film to the 2017. Like I said in my limerick, it proves all these people right who are like, if Zack Snyder could have done it, he would have made it make sense. And I always scoffed at that. And I have to admit that this proves that there was something in here. Right, right. It is still flawed. It is still a movie that I have major, major issues with. Another one I'll bring up is the fundamental storyline of the mother boxes (laughs) is just boring. It's yeah. really, really bad. It's banal. There, it, it's there's three no, boxes, Jeff, and they're called yes, mother boxes. There's a. a there's no reason that there's three. There's no reason we're we're literally there's. It's a perfect example of tell not show, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. They are 
we are told that they are these instruments of change, but if we had not been told that, we would have no fucking idea what they do, right? And it could have been really cool. I know people are gonna be like, well, what's the difference between Mother Boxes and Infinity Gems? Well, you had multiple movies setting up the difference between all these Infinity Gems and how they all have unique properties. And br why bringing them all together into one gauntlet is pretty powerful, right? It was more than just a plot puzzle, right? Literally a like a connection puzzle to produce plot. Like, it, it certainly yeah. more than that. And, and it could have been really cool that this thing is this magic entropy or, or you know, change, uh, this instrument of change. And the idea that, oh, that's the only way we can bring Superman back is because, I mean, th that speech that they have around the table when they put it together and they go, oh, it turns the ashes into the fire, right? right. It turns, th that's a cool concept, but don't fucking just stand around a table and spew that at us. <laughs> Show why these boxes can do that. Why couldn't, why weren't the boxes changing yeah. things and, and recreating things throughout Give the Give me whole... a Lord of the Rings, like, uh, you know, this is what happened in the past type thing. Right. I don't know. Like, well, I, I, I would like, like greater mythology. Well, so it I did show up is, in that video is, clip that Lex yeah. Luthor sent to, uh, uh, in Batman v Superman. I mean, that's, very that's set up right mm. very I, I will mm. say jeff you are hinting at the the by far the best moment in the entire film which is when they talk about how all these different groups need to protect the mother boxes right so uh the themiscurans they like put it inside this elaborate pyramid with rube goldberg <laughs> machines yeah. Yeah. uh the atlanteans put it in like at the top of this thing where it's visible to everyone <laughs> inside this massive structure no one's gonna come to the ocean come on and then it's uh great. humans they just let's throw it in a ditch in some guy's backyard no ditch <laughs> a ditch that is literally two feet deep yeah. that is oh, the yeah. most it human is, thing ever the, oh, yeah. the no. least amount of effort we could possibly put into this endeavor no yeah. no why why would you even go the full six feet under for this one just <laughs> well, one of my favorite things and they added this and it was such a little touch but one of my favorite things because he set up the amazonians a little bit better is it shows the fact that this thing is under guard 24 7 yes there are always a hundred amazon warriors <laughs> with their spears and their bows and arrows pointed at this box and they've been there for thousands of years you know on the off chance that this thing is going to wake up and then we go to the humans and they're like, ah, the Nazis dug it up. Yeah. Um, it's in this guy's it's in house. A closet it's in his somewhere. apartment. Yeah, yeah he's, he's, he's keeping it, it in his, you know, New York apartment yeah. where uh, yeah. that is like 600 square feet or something. It's, it's, it's actually, it's literally Lord of the Rings, right? Humans ruined everything. So. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a, it is a very apt and accurate commentary on probably what would actually happen if humanity <laughs> was given the task of protecting a world ending um, device like this. Yeah. I guess, I guess uh, we could bury it. Mm. I don't know. want to go back to, I want to go back this question of like superman and batman i think yeah. jeff offered a take on like uh these characters and the way they're depicted not necessarily our favorite takes on these characters curious like what your impression of superman and batman uh were in this film well i will say it, it turned me around a little bit on batman I, I i agree somewhat with jeff in that this is a a far i mean he is called the dark knight but also the, it is a very dark dark very dark take on it but as far as character goes, they add shockingly, they added a scene in this cut that I think really benefited his character. And it was very brief interaction. He's talking to Alfred and Alfred is 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 saying, you know, I don't know if you're doing I don't think you should be doing this. This is a very bad idea. Mm -hmm. And he says, I'm operating for once in my life, Alfred, I'm operating on faith, not reason. And I think that actually 
was a good character moment for him because his whole motivation in Batman v Superman was very reason based. He's basically saying like, there's this guy. And if there's a one in a thousand chance that he's going to take down the earth and I'm treating it as an absolute certainty and we got to take this guy down. And so his, his, he basically, you see this journey of him, like kind of learning how to not operate on reason all the time. The fact that that's how they kind of got where they are at this point, uh, because Superman dying is what activated this whole thing. And they wouldn't be in this situation otherwise. So I, I appreciate what they do with the character of Bruce Wayne. Batman, I mean, I, I let's be honest, in a real life situation, he would be pretty useless. I mean, he's next to a person <laughs> who can around. turn back time, a, yeah. a 1500 year old Amazon warrior who can just wreck anybody, <laughs> literally Superman, uh, and uh, and a guy who can has control over every piece of machinery in the blink of an eye. And, and he's like cup. a dude, yeah. As, yeah. I got a suit, I got but, a car. That's, he's that's rich. the he's trick, right? That's that's yeah. the that's the screenwriting challenge. Yeah. Is you go well? What is it, what is it about Batman? Well, he's the world's greatest detective. He's smarter he's than everybody very, else very in the room. I will say though, I like that they yeah. gave. I, I felt they gave him something to do, and that they gave him a job that involved taking on one parademon at a time, which is probably <laughs> about what Batman could handle. <laughs> so at there's least a, they didn't overestimate his abilities in this. There's movie. that scene when Superman comes back to life and he's evil, and he starts just wrecking every one of these justice league people. And then he gets to Batman and he punches him and he's like, dude, you punch him again. He's dead. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, so I, I agree, Jeff, it is a screenwriter challenge. I don't know that they fully surmounted mm-hmm. it in this case. I they saw some a magic gauntlet that, that absorbs energy. Oh, that's know? the thing though, about the gauntlets though. I saw a lot of people saying like, why, why do they keep talking about these gauntlets? I'm like, they had to talk about the gauntlets because otherwise Superman would incinerate <laughs> Batman instantly yeah. in a millisecond. There would be yeah. if he didn't have magic gauntlets. There's no excuse for why Superman would not just turn him to ashes. Which well, let's is what just he not have Superman fight the Justice League. How about that? <laughs> uh, so, Demerol, your opinion on on Superman? Like, what do you, what, what is your take on that? It's complicated because um, I I feel like. I, I like th- I was feeling good about Superman coming out of the 2017 version. I really was. Right. I, I, I love, but I liked his. I liked a lot of what he. I felt like he he had a better function in this. I, I even though I liked where he ended up, I always thought that his entrance in the 2017 version is like I'm a big fan of justice. I thought this was just a little too. Like, oh God, <laughs> I, just, I kind of rolled my eyes a little bit. Like we're really overcompensating here. They got we? rid of a lot of his stuff in, in 20 from the 2017, like they the did. opening scene with the the cell phone Thank camera and the God. weird mustache oh and everything like that. Yeah. So um, that that stuff's all gone too. But yeah. I, I I didn't mind so much. Because if I might be a little grumpy too, if I died and somebody brought me back and the guy that like killed me was there, I might be a little upset as well. Uh, but if you're the fucking best person, <laughs> but he, went, but he immediately went confused. back. Like uh, the, the yeah. other thing that I liked was that Lois, and this is another thing, like, why did they cut this? I like the fact that in this movie, Lois is actually an independent person who chooses to go and like, like sees that he's back. And it's like, I'm going to go like, you know, try to bring him back. Cause he's probably mm. not in a very good place instead of like, Batman told me to come here, so here I am. Boop, right. uh, I, I mean, just, I think she, she's, she's so independent. She gives up her life and her career to go to Superman's statue every day. But she learned, she sees the error of her ways, and I yeah. wish that that hadn't been Martian Manhunter. I wish that was actually a conversation between her and Martha Kent. Yeah, I feel no, like yeah. she went on a little bit more of a journey as a character in this movie instead of just being like a a bit of a pawn and bat he's bringing the big guns alfred for sure for um but the, i feel like we so saw him get back to i was just gonna bring that up yeah yep. it's unbelievable well i've read where that was gonna go and i hate it so <laughs> i hate it so much. Uh, i'm not gonna judge it based on where it was gonna go though i'm just gonna I'll leave it be here for now because we're not 
you know, we're, we, <laughs> I don't, I, I've stopped saying we're not going to see that movie or we're not going to see this or whatever. Right. I'm just not making any more proclamations. As that far that as was my first reaction was how dare this movie waste my time with this Martian Manhunter stuff, this nightmare scenario, all this stuff, because we're never going to see that movie. But I also said, we're never going to see the Snyder cut as well. Yep. Yeah, so yeah. now I can't say that anymore. Cut because, yeah, Zack Snyder's 10 part HBO Max series. Yeah. In, a, know, in an HBO like Max the, world, anything yeah. is possible. You yep. know? Yeah. So I guess when it comes, when it comes right. to Superman uh, in in a vacuum, not looking at where they were planning to take Superman, um, you know, I, I still felt okay about him in this movie. I liked where he ended up in the last one a little bit better. But I am I am on the record and remain on the record as not a fan of going down the road of the Dark Emperor uh, Superman who is you know ruling over the you know I I understand that that is a a, a storyline that a lot of people like. It's not my cup of tea. Um, but yeah, so the, the Superman, I, I liked it, some of the stuff. I didn't like some of the stuff, but overall it wasn't enough for it to sink the whole thing for me. All right. Fair enough. Dave, Jeff, I have ahead. a couple yeah. of, I have a couple of, uh, I took notes. I, I never take notes, but I thought I would need to take notes over a four hour runtime. You so got to take notes, Jeff. Yeah. I, t- I took some notes, uh, this one. I want to, I want to hit some points that I, I hope you guys also noticed. One was the pregnancy test, which I thought was, was really funny. Um, the, uh, another, why, why is, was it really funny, Jeff? Uh, because of how pointed and obvious it was in the frame. It was just like, just really want you to see that she's thinking that she might have a child with Superman. Um, I, I like, by the way, how the pregnancy test is called force majeure, yeah, uh, which is like a not really something that you want to associate with a pregnancy test. In my <laughs> not a positive. I mean, that, that's yeah. a Superman pregnancy. You know, it's uh, <laughs> yeah. you don't see it coming. Yeah. Um, the uh, another line in the moment that Superman comes back, you know, the whole reason Superman goes haywire, see, is because Cyborg's auto defense system mm. is triggered. Mm-hmm. Cyborg saying, "My auto defense system," and I went, I wrote down, "Since when? At what point? How many times is he in danger in this movie that the auto defense system <laughs> just fucking doesn't do shit?" You know, right, right. <laughs> Well, and then it's not even like Superman did anything. He was just yeah. he was just no, the, X-raying them or whatever. The right? auto defense system that it was like blowy just, red eyes. It's bad, man. Uh, like okay. unbelievable. What a lazy ass writing. My auto defense system. Um, <laughs> and then uh, uh, oh, where's the other one? Uh, wait, one more. That oh, <laughs> this made me laugh. Uh, there's a, a dialogue uh, between Diana. Uh, it's Wonder Woman and Cyborg. She says, uh, you know, they're, they're having a heart to heart. And she says, I lost someone I loved once. And I wanted to write, well, twice. Uh, ask your dad <laughs> about that time in the 80s when everyone on Earth had to renounce their wishes. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, indeed. indeed. So, many, so many great moments. My favorite moment, by the way, may be Batman telling everybody heroically, uh, let's go. And the music is pounding. It's a new, it's a junkie XL soundtrack, right? It's better than the Danny Elfman one cut to everybody slowly walking up the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember that. I remember that when they get yeah. to that, like a uh, facility, right? Yep. Yeah, yep. yeah. That was weird. It's very um, weird. So should we just spend like just a couple more minutes talking about the ending, like the epilogue and like so bad Dan, Dan Merle, like, I mean, first of all, I think if you watch this movie, you should treat the epilogue as an extremely extended post-credit sting. Yes, and then you have a much better. It is a proof of concept for what the future was going to be in his sequels. It's like five minutes of wrapping up the characters and fifteen minutes of like, here's what else we had. 
I mean, I know, I know that he shot like the nightmare stuff the last year. Like he, mm-hmm. all of that was new. So he, I think that was very much Zack Snyder saying like, I am almost definitely not going to get a chance to make this movie. So I'm just going to make a part of it that I want to make. And it just kind of proves to me that those, those may not have been for me, but <laughs> yeah, I was going to say like, I mean, let me just say this. As I've already indicated, I think it's horrible what has been done to Batman and Superman. Like, I, it's I am sad about it. Um, but given that it's already been done, we might as well just explore what would actually happen if Superman went full evil. Um, but yeah, Dan, what what is it about this whole future plotline with the nightmare K N I G H T that that turns you off so, Dan? Well, I, I think honestly, it's it's sort of I, I've been going through this month on my podcast. We've been talking about the evolution of Superman, and we got to like the the Richard Donner cut and the Richard Lester cut of Superman two. And one of the things with the Richard Donner cut is that it has the same ending as Superman the movie because it was originally written that Superman turns back time. And they got to the Richard Le- Donner cut, and they're like, "Well, that's all that we have." So they have two movies with the same ending. Um, I think that you first of all have that problem because I that's I think that's how they would. F- fix you know that problem is flash would just go back in time again which which raises the thing like well if it's that easy why does just flash just go back in time all the time like that's it's a, it's a, it seems like a fairly quick solution um i i just it's just not i i, I love these characters and and i don't necessarily want to see them suffering for multiple movies it's just not my <laughs> particular cup of tea mm-hmm. it's not where i it's yeah. not what turns me on uh yeah. and so i've never like i think it's always intriguing to do like the parts of you know I, I like the I like the beginning of X Men Days of Future Past because it's like ooh we don't want that and then the whole movie is about not doing that it's not like instead two and a half movies about that and then a half movie about not doing that if that right. makes any sense yeah. I, yeah, I just yeah, yeah. I I think that you can go a lot of different ways but the idea of like kind of setting up this whole thing but ultimately the the solution is going to be Flash does some time travel sorcery. Um, it just felt a bit rep- repetitive, especially because this movie, now that I've seen it, does that beat so well. I mean, oh God, that is one of my favorite moments in any superhero movie ever. That sequence where, you know, Flash puts his hand up and everything stops. Yeah. And then he starts running and the reality is like forming around him. The, the ground is coming back together underneath his feet. Yeah. It's the best. I think because it's given the least amount of screen time, it's the best daddy issue thing in the whole movie. And that we have had <laughs> one scene of Flash and his dad. And he's like, you're the best of the best. And Flash in his mind is saying, Dad, I just want you to know, I, you know, I, I, I'm one of them. I was one of them. I was one of the best of the best. Like, I love that. I, I think that's perfect. That's all I need to know about Flash and his dad for this movie. Um, to then make that the solution going forward. I, I just, there's a lot of roads you could take from here. And I would kind of prefer to take the road where we have a great team. Now let's see the renovated Wayne Manor with the big justice league table and whatever else they're going to do. And not let's go back to rubble and darkness and death and misery and anger. And who's going to die. Even if they're going to come back, let's, you know, how does Lois Lane get killed? Oh, it's just not my favorite. It's not my favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally fair, totally fair. And by the way, the podcast that Dan mentioned is all my movies, and I'd recommend it. Check it out; oh, it's uh, very enjoyable. Thank you very much. Um, so, any other closing thoughts, Jeff? The, the, like their, their I, thoughts? Yeah. Oh, okay, go ahead, Devendra. Well, one thing I, I just want to point out, which I don't see really being brought up that much, is I think Ezra Miller has the best PR team in the universe. Okay, because th- honestly, this isn't funny. Last last year, there was a video of him choking out a fan and slamming her to the ground. And there have been like a lot of other stories about his behavior. And it is weird to me that 
nothing is really happening. Like it was just a race from existence. This thing happened. Variety confirmed it. Um, and it's just just very strange to me. Also, I'm like, guys, we got to like think towards the future. What is the fact that this the fandom kind of pushing for this and HBO being so desperate for something you know big to get subscribers? It led to this thing. Um, but what what does this mean for like the future? Like, I, I do really wonder if this was was it a creator driven you know initiative because Snyder really wanted it and fans want to see his vision, or is this an example of people just really clamoring to get a thing that they want, even that they had no clue if it was good or not. They just really wanted it because he he said he had it. Well, I think it's a combination of the two. Vanity yeah. Fair did a pretty extensive piece on this, uh, where. Uh, there's some, a lot of fascinating tidbits about what happened in the wake of Zack Snyder leaving uh, Justice League. There's a bit in there about like Christopher Nolan leaving because he's a, uh, an executive producer, I think, on yeah. this one, right? Yeah. He left the screening of the Joss Whedon cut, and he basically said to, to Zack Snyder, "You must never watch this." Like it was like <laughs> it was like a it's Werner like Herzog Man, yeah. Man, you know, yeah. like uh, with the tape, and he's like, "You must never." <laughs> you, this is not something you can ever see with your eyes. Um, and I think it's uh, uh, they understood there to be a lot of interest in this online, and it was something that they leaned into. Um, so it felt like a combination of a willing uh, director as well. Uh, so the the first thing was, by the way, my understanding is. That they came to Zack Snyder and they said, "Hey, let's just uh, let's just put your cut online." And he's right, like, "No, right. no, 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 no. If we want to do this I right, I don't have one of those. <laughs> yeah, if we want to do this right, we gotta like you gotta give me you know a shit ton of money to like yeah. redo all these effects. Yep. Also, like, how, how do you like boxes? Right. We haven't even talked about the freaking aspect yeah. ratio. But we have I think to talk that about that. Insane, yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> in a home movie like distribution thing. I am shocked at how little it bothered me over time. Sure, I, sure. I thought it, I think it. it's a completely bonkers decision." But I am shocked at how little it, it yeah. impacts. Stockholm my, syndrome yeah. is a thing, you know, like we, <laughs> we get used to it and we're trapped by these things. It's just like it is like that is. And you get the note at the beginning, like to really preserve his vision, you're forced to watch this movie in a box on your widescreen TV. I would like to see this movie on an IMAX screen eventually, like in that full scope. But also, man, this felt bad. Like it just didn't feel smart or good or interesting, like a good way to present this movie. But. Yeah, if it didn't bother you guys. Well, Devendra, I I want to talk about that. But before we get too far away from the other point you made, I want to mention there may this may help your attitude about it as a sort of business venture, because I have a friend who works in the visual effects industry, and Mm. he said that this movie, this cut single handedly kept several top tier visual effects studios from going out of business in 2020. It kept people employed like by itself. Uh, and I think that's pretty positive out, outcome. Yeah, agreed, yeah. agreed. I mean, um, yeah, go, yeah go ahead, Dan Merle. Well, yeah, when we talk about the fans, there's, I, I've certainly, this. it's a complicated thing because there's a lot of people that were pushing for this that were just genuinely passionate. They wanted sure. to see this movie. They they raised a lot of money um, and and a lot of awareness for suicide prevention and suicide awareness, and, and that's great. That's objectively great stuff. And it's it's the same problem it's it's the problem with everything is unfortunately the loudest 10% of any group whether that's for good or ill is going to be the one that gets the most attention mm-hmm. and the loudest fans in many cases were the ones that were not approaching it with such uh magnanimity that were not just pushing for you know the studio to allow you know it's it's it, it went further and that's not fun and but but i also think that generally those a lot of those fans are, they're going to, 
I think the people that are really like genuinely abusive online, it's not it's not like they're going to stop being that about the Snyder Cut. It's going to be whatever it is. Sure. It's going to be something else tomorrow. So I don't think it's the idea of just like, well, these fans are these fans are are, are emboldened now. Now they'll never stop. It's like they were never going to stop anyway. This was just the cause that they were taking up now, and mm-hmm. it's going to be something else. Um, but I also think that it's. The Pollyanna part of me hopes that it will perhaps embolden studios to maybe have a little more faith in their creative teams or at least say like, mm. well, listen, we've come down the road this far with you and we're going to maybe just trust you a little bit more. Um, yeah. That's never going to happen. Uh, the one thing that I am afraid of is that this is just going to be a nonstop barrage. Like I saw today and it's like I, I like the, I, I think that he's been saying some important stuff. And his character obviously was a huge beneficiary beneficiary of what happened. But I saw today that Ray Fisher tweeted, release the air cut. And I'm like, stop it. Stop. No, (laughs) we cannot keep doing this for ad nauseum because then it's going to be everything. Like, I think this is a very specific thing. It was born out of a very specific set of circumstances. Will never Um, happen again. It's I mean, I'm not going to say it's never going to happen again, but I just think like you cannot start just otherwise every interaction with every studio is going to be a nonstop stream of like, I want to see this version of this thing. I want to see that version of this thing. That is exactly what I'm expecting. That's not good. I don't like that. And I don't want that. And I agree that that's probably what's going to happen. But um, generally for me, I think the positives outweigh the negatives, even though the negatives are pretty negative. Um, most of all being that I, I, I like this version of the movie and it made me rethink a lot of my preconceived notions about Zack Snyder and, and, and his ethos when it comes to a lot of these superheroes, even though I still have some issues with some of them. And, and I'm glad that I have this version of the movie because I like it way better than the other one. Yeah, indeed. Me too. Well, I think we can probably wrap it up there. Um, but uh, yeah, overall, it sounds like we all enjoyed the Snyder Cut, even though we are not a fan of the sinister undertones under which uh, the, it was made. Uh, and we'll see the impact that it has in Hollywood. Uh, I am not looking forward to it as well. I feel like the Snyder Cut is going to be with us forever in some form or another. You know what I mean? Like, not not this movie, but like the ethos behind it. And uh, some people are excited by that. I'm not. Um, but we'll see how it plays out. We'll see how it plays out. Well, anyway, let's wrap things up. You can find more episodes of this podcast at slashfilmcast.com. You can email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Our theme song comes from adamwarrock.com. Our spoiler bumper comes from uh, filmmaker and YouTuber Kyle Hillinger. This episode was edited by Baby Zhang. Stay tuned to hear what we'll be discussing next week. In the meantime, Dan Merle, tell people again where they can find more of your excellent work. Uh, you can find me on YouTube at youtube.com slash movies. You can find my podcast, all my movies, uh, everywhere that you can find podcasts, uh, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, etc. It's also on the Schmodown Entertainment Network. And you can find me on Patreon at patreon.com slash Dan Merle. Dan, thanks so much for joining us, man. It has been an absolute pleasure. Um, next week, we will be discussing The Father, the Anthony Hopkins film, as our main review. And for The After Dark, nobody... The Ilya Nyshuler movie starring uh, Bob Odenkirk. Is that be the After Dark? Bob movie. Odenkirk. Yeah. Action star. Action Indeed. star. Action star, uh, drama heavy from Better Call Saul. Uh, definitely a guy who's had an interesting career. So that's what's in store for us next week. The Father, followed by an After Dark episode about nobody. The same, the same guy who once went to comic relief holding his junk and wearing nothing else on stage. <laughs> if you guys remember that. but that was I don't funny, remember that. Pretty deep funny cut. bit. Deep cut. 
Uh, thanks for listening to the Slash Filmcast. We'll see you later. We watch the movies, flicks, tracks for the good, bad. It's the Slash Filmcast. For all the news and the movies coming out, because you know that it's the thing worth talking about. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.